0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, gang? Let's do this. Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you for a Monday afternoon. A little rain for a change around these parts. Certainly welcome to uh, to that and welcome to everybody in the chat. And of course, welcome to the CTO, Michael Remus and... Our great family of sponsors that let us make this happen every day, including Canadian Club Whiskey, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and our gaming partner Cool Bet Canada. We've got a big show today. Lots to get to coming out of the weekend, in particular, the Bombers' first loss in what seems like forever, and the first loss of the Zach Caleros era here in Winnipeg. Bombers dropping a 30-23 to 23 decision in Toronto. We'll get to that. And many more big stories out of the Canadian Football League, including the COVID outbreak in Edmonton amongst the Elks, with Jeff Hamilton to the Winnipeg Free Press coming up in just a few minutes. And, uh, man, tough weekend for the Blue Jays, losing two of three in extra innings to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, pretty significant uphill climb for the Blue Jays. But Andrew Stoughton, a, a favorite of mine when it comes to Blue Jays analysis. Uh, now with the bat flip, going to join us a little bit later on on the program. Of course, we'll get to a little bit of NFL talk. We do have the Northern Trust finishing up their final round today. John Rom and Cam Smith in that final group have just gone off. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But it should be a great show. Welcome to everybody. Nice to see everyone. And there is, oh, listen, there's Dallas. Wow, Dallas, do you want to talk about dedication to the show, Reem? Dallas just got married yesterday. I saw the picture looking good, my friend. Hopefully you had a great time along with your new wife. And there is our winner of the CC I Love Rye package, Sean Lischka. I'm sure he had quite a good weekend. Um, yes. All right, Jeff, let's bring Michael Remus in here. And uh, Jeff Kabilis has been the first person to notice, although one other person did notice uh, on the weekend. I went out with a few buddies out to the lake and did uh, fire up a couple pics on the Insta stream. And yes, I was wearing this. And uh, Remus, what a way to start off the week by telling everyone that the wait is over. Our limited edition, new era Winnipeg Sports Talk hats are in. There are a very limited number, but we did them with our friends at Royal Sports, and I can tell you, I was just there before the show. Greg has them. Uh, They are in limited quantities, but we do have both the snapback, which I'm wearing right now, and the dad hat that is ready for you. So if you are in the seat of Winnipeg and you want to cop one of these before they are gone, Royal Sports 750 Pembina Highway is where they are at. And Reem, I have to say, I got to thank Greg and the New Era guys for putting these together. Um, the wait was worth it. I cannot believe how gorgeous these things turned out.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. They are uh, so nice. I was like, where were you? Where these so long ago? I was like, where are they? What's going on here? Are these things even real or is it just a myth? <laughs> and uh, they came. They're real. They're spectacular. Uh, so nice. And uh, some of them are, uh, Justin's saying, can I get one shipped? If you order on the website, we can ship it out to you. So uh, they're great. Um, have a royal logo on it, the Winnipeg Sports Talk logo. And I was nervous, Huss. I mean, we got a complicated logo. And I know I've tried to design stuff for embroidery, but it came out. it came out perfect. And uh, we put a little flare, a little uh, gray underbell, gray. Oh, uh, yeah, let's,
0: let's give a quick look at my I'll hair's give the t- a Yeah, I got the tour here. This.
1: we got this. But, uh, we got this. There we have it. There we go. A little showing it off. The back got, gray at the back. Gray yeah, snap. Oh, gray God, snap. It came out. Beautifully. There you go.
0: Oh well, you know what? I I actually I may need to step up for this, but uh, give me a moment, and I will show off the dad hat too for folks that yeah. don't like snaps. Although I don't know why you wouldn't.
1: Yeah, I'm more of a uh, pack. I did give my dad uh, the dad hat, though. But since I am a dad now, I think I'm going to have to graduate at some point from the new era 950 and 5950 to the, uh, what, 2950? Is that what those are called?
0: Uh, These are the 920s. Oh, 920.
1: 920. So, so yeah. yes,
0: this is the dad hat, a little bit more of a uh, a lower bridge, still got the new era on the side, our friends at Royal may help us making it happen. And the adjustable on the back. So, they are there. They are good to go. Again, we have very limited quantities of them. But we do have them at Royal Sports right now. Mm -hmm. And if you are not in the city or elsewhere, check the Winnipeg Sports Talk site. And uh, we'll have them until they're gone. Uh, But definitely, definitely excited about that. And um, yeah, pop down at Royal. And try not to spend one or two hours in there. If you haven't been to that store before. I can never leave. I mean, unless I'm in a hurry, I'll just spend an hour milling around, oh, the NFL section, the NHL section. Needless to say, they're ready for sports to get going. So, folks, um, that is where we are at with uh, with the hats. They are here, and we're very happy to let you know that uh, the wait is over, so um, if you want, pop down to Royal. When you're hearing this, they've got them, so... Um, That's the way we'll do it. We'll talk about them a little bit later on as well, maybe for some of the people that join in later. Remo, we've got a lot to cover and I know we're going to talk quite a bit about this with Jeff Hamilton when he joins us in just a few minutes, but uh, tough one for the Bombers and I don't even remember what it's like talking about a Bomber game without us just uh, doing a victory lap and talking about how the team's kicking ass again. Uh, They... uh, I don't want to say they met their match, but they certainly weren't as good as we've seen in the past. I thought it was a real tough day for the offense overall. Um, And credit to the Toronto Argonauts for stepping up big. And uh, that's a team that has a lot of swagger and a lot of attitude. Um, And, you know, we'll talk to Jeff about this. He said he's not sure he's ever heard a team trash talk more than the Argos did. And at times, I don't want to say it rattled the Bombers, but... They certainly were getting into that side of it and unfortunately didn't perform maybe as um, connected as we've seen them before, especially in the offensive side of the football.
1: Yeah, that first half, I know they didn't have a lot of um, possessions, but I think they had like eight combined total yards rushing and receiving. And so first first quarter. And uh, I mean, they just couldn't get in sync. I'm not overreacting too hard i think you know they're not going to go undefeated with zach calaris i think last maybe you did see some concerning signs from the offense heading from last game to this game against uh toronto it's nice to have darvin adams back made a huge catch but i think you can see how i mean this offense i think they are missing andrew harris a bit we've seen that you know Alveira was great in the first game but you know maybe leaves a bit to be desired in the passing game and uh protection stuff and uh, the kicking game, a lot, big concern too. I mean, I think we oh, yes. we were spoiled watching. I think watching Justin Medlock, and we would talk about how can a kicker be, you know, one of the highest paid players in the league when you are free automatic points. Uh, there, you can't put a price on that. Well, I mean, you can, but uh, it's worth every penny, uh, Medlock, and that is an issue. I think it definitely changes your play calling when you get, you know, close to field goal range. You know, when you have to make those tough decisions. And I think we've seen through three games that the Bombers' philosophy when it comes to kicking is uh, very, very different now.
0: Well, it it is, and it has to be. And I think Mike O'Shea, and and listen, it was a bit of a tell in game number one of the season against Hamilton, um, you know, when they weren't going for those longer field goals. Now, I totally understood that it's a little different doing it against Hamilton than other teams when you got Speedy Banks back there. I mean, if you miss it and he gets it, your coverage team better be ready because if not, it'll be six the other way. And O'Shea didn't want to take those chances. But, I mean, the misses that, you know, I mean, the 37-yarder that was missed was such a bad kick. I mean, it was blocked. I mean, there was almost no other option for it. And then a 47-yarder gone. And those are big, important points uh, in the Canadian Football League that the Bombers, as you mentioned, Reem, have kind of, just known that they were going to be on the board when they sent Justin Medlock out there over the past few seasons. So I don't think there's much doubt that the kicking position right now is somewhat in flux, somewhat up in the air. Um, You know, Leggio, they've got, I think they've got confidence that he can maybe turn into that guy, but it was clear in training camp that he wasn't that guy. And that's why they went and got Kripinha and uh, Kripinha has not been good enough so far early on in the season. Um, So these will be decisions. We'll see whether they bring in another guy. Uh, Personally, I would love for Greg the Leg just to get healthy in Dallas and have the Cowboys cut Liram Hiralahu and maybe have Liram come back to Winnipeg. Um, You know, he was starting out a pretty impressive CFL career when he left Winnipeg, replaced by Justin Medlock, and I think back to that one game that he missed, uh, what was it, four or five field goals against Edmonton and it ended up being the difference in the game when the Bombers were a big underdog a few, se- a few seasons ago, which sort of led to the decision, we're not screwing around with this anymore. We're getting the best guy we can get, and that's Justin Medlock. And, you know, considering the way the Bombers play, um, their M.O. when it comes to controlling the football, playing good defense, you have to be good at special teams. That is the bread and butter of Mike O'Shea. Uh, as a head coach, was, you know, all three aspects of the ball. And right now the kicking game is really, uh, you know, it's in a tough spot right now. So that's going to be something that needs to get better. I think the offense is going to continue to improve. You know, you would hope with, you know, getting Nick Damski back will be big. And Darvin Adams was there. I mean, man, he had that big touchdown, Remus. He had another one that wasn't able to grab onto right at the final end, which would have been, you know, you know, a pass inside the five-yard line. Um And, of course, Brady Oliveira. Um, There was one thing to do it in game number one against the Hamilton Ticast, and I think that just speaks to how well the Bomber offensive line played. But Toronto up front is no joke. And they were not allowing the Bombers to have their way on the line of scrimmage and certainly on the running game. So I think, you know, when they get back to practice this week, there's going to be plenty of things that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can work on. And uh, it sets up a pretty interesting matchup on Saturday, Reem, because, of course... There was the unknown, Jake Meyer leading the Calgary Stampeders to a crazy comeback win over the Montreal Alouettes on Friday night in a game that I know we were texting each other, uh, I thought was done
1: when it was 14-3 early on for Montreal. Okay, do you want me to read the text that you sent me? Montreal, it's what is it, 14-3, Montreal's uh, driving. I've I've never mushed a team that I bet on more
0: than... And, I mean, you were involved in it, too. I mean, you're not without blame as all. I mean, we
1: both got into this. Okay, well, I'll say this. But I will take the majority of the heat. I have no issue with the bet that was made on Montreal. Just by math perspective, if you bet on a team plus money and then they end up being favored by five, math will tell you that is a very good bet. You are getting value on that bet, and that's what you're looking to do. However, you texted me the score (laughs) 14-3, Montreal driving. This is Friday night. 8 9 24 p.m. Dude, this Al's game might be the most free money game of the year. It was plus money and plus two when we talked about it on Monday. Laughing crying face emoji. Immediately after that text. Immediately. Oh no, sorry, then I I responded. I don't know how that happened. I should clip us talking about making this bet. Even the owls at minus four I thought was a lock. Calgary has a rookie QB. And then, uh, right after you text, I hope that wasn't the all-time Jinx text. <laughs> and uh, immediately after that text, I mean Vernon Adams threw interception and became like unhinged. so interception right after next text followed by a TD. yeah, I have Vernon Adams
0: in fantasy, so this is fine if it keeps in the close. yeah, and then I said, even with my premature touchdown dance, I think we will still get the W and it didn't happen. I yeah. will say this about that game. Like, that was vintage CFL football. I mean, if you had tuned in from the start of the game right until the end to see it, um, you know, it had a little bit of everything. It was 14-3, and it looked like the Alouettes were going to run away with it. Then they completely self-imploded. Calgary got it together. Meyer started ripping it around the field and putting up points. And then, Reem, it was, what, it was a 14-point game, or a 15-point game, excuse me, with about four, four and a half minutes left. The Alouettes get the ball, and... There was a 14-point game. They go for a field goal. They miss. They get a single. Calgary turns the ball over. Montreal gets it back. They get a touchdown. It's now a six-point game. And then they get the ball back with about a minute left, drive all the way down. And that final play, the final play was just such an amazing ending to a CFL game where the receivers' feet were actually in the end zone. But unfortunately, the angle of which he caught the ball, the ball never crossed the goal line, and you had a loss by the smallest of margins. Uh, But credit—we gave credit to the Elks on Friday for for a big win. Calgary gets the credit for the big win on Friday night keeping their hopes alive, because going down to 0-3 without Bull Levi-Mitchell, I think that would have been a very, very tough hill to climb for Calgary, but uh, wow, what an ending to that game, even if I do take full responsibility for mushing the Montreal Alouettes up 14-3 in that game.
1: Yeah, a couple things uh, about CFL Week 3. We thought, we're like, which team is the biggest surprise? You know, Edmonton who hasn't won, or Calgary? You know, both the teams ended up winning, getting in the W Callum Edmonton reigning on the parade of the Lions home opener and the new owner, which we talked about on Friday. And then Calgary, nobody thought they could do it with the rookie QB, who wasn't even listed available on DraftKings. They come back. It was the week of regression. Uh, Greg Ellingson hadn't done anything weeks one and two. He came back week three. And Deveris Daniels was a big signing for Toronto, and he had a big game against the Bombers until that hit, which we uh, haven't talked about from Brandon Alexander. I know the, oh! I know the Argos said they were really fired up after that hit. To be honest, I see a lot of parallels between that hit and um, the Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans, just how torn people are. Um, You know, it's a guy... What did you think? Dirty or not dirty? I didn't think it was... Flag or no flag? I didn't think it was dirty. Um, If it was dirty, uh, Alexander would have lowered the crown of his helmet and put it into the guy. Uh, He stood up straight. He hit him with the shoulder. I think Daniels had his head down and um, shoulder went into head. So I think if you hit head contact... I guess that's a flag, but I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was dirty. Maybe, maybe it was a touch late, but as far as football hits go, I don't think it was bad. I mean, I don't know how his helmet's flying off. Was it not, was it not strapped in? And how much did that con- uh, contribute to the injury? The image of him helmetless on the ground, um, clearly his concussed. eyes rolling up in the back it, of his it, head. That was scary. It was scary. It was scary. But as far as, I thought that was, I mean, that's what you're taught to do in terms of uh, hitting as football, as far as I know as a viewer. Uh, watching football. I mean, it, it
0: was, it was unfortunate. I mean, I do yeah. think it was worthy of a 15 yard penalty under the rules as they are. I mean, I, I I'm with you. I mean, I don't think Alexander was going out there trying to kill anybody or knock anybody out of the game. Uh, but the way that that happened, I mean, there is an onus and we'll ask Jeff about this. There is somewhat of an onus to, you know, protect that defenseless receiver. And he certainly was in that situation. And there was contact at the head. The helmet was removed from the head and he was concussed. So, I mean, I think 15 yards is going to be called in almost every situation when that is the case. We'll talk about it coming up with Jeff Hamilton. Uh, before we do that, a big shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club and the Beam Suntory family. Can't wait to get back to IG Field on Sunday night. Maybe we'll meet up there in the Jim uh, the Beam social area and uh, have a couple CCs in ginger ale or maybe a couple CCs in Pepsi. I can tell you... That We will be doing another great contest with CC. Congratulations to our first two winners, Leighton in week one, Sean in week number two. We'll have another fun kickoff going into the uh, weekend with a Bomber game on Sunday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, if you want the best and you're over beer, check out the Great Taste of Canadian Club at your local... Restaurant or bar or, of course, available at all Manitoba liquor marts and available throughout IG Field every time the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play. Um, We told you right off the bat that our friends at Royal Sports had teamed up with us on these new Winnipeg Sports Talk hats. You can see Royal on the side, our logo, new era. Uh, We've got the snapbacks. We've got the dad hats. And they are now at Royal Sports right now. Very limited amounts of both, but they are there. So if you've been waiting and bugging us, going, guys, where the hell are these hats? They're here, they're beautiful. Uh, We thank Greg and Gerald for um, partnering up with us on these and, uh, of course, having a spot where people can go and pick them up quickly because I know there was quite a bit of demand for them. So head on down to Royal Sports where you're there. Check out their bike section. Some great camping stuff that was sort of new over the course of the past year. And with the season right around the corner, maybe you're uh, getting... uh, A Nate Schmidt jersey. Maybe a Brendan Dillon. Maybe now that Neil Pionk signed for four years, you can be comfortable enough to get the Pionk. It's all there. Great bomber merch as well. And of course, NFL just around the corner. It's all there at Royal Sports. 650 Rallying EK. But if you're looking for the Winnipeg Sports Talk hats, you're going to go to 750 Pemida Highway, the superstore connected to Kings skate, snow, and surf. And of course, it wasn't maybe vintage ice cream weather, but uh, it's always a good time to pop by and see... Nick and Nikki at the Nick and Nikki Tea Group for uh, maybe a Blizzard or potentially an Ultimate Grill Burger. DQ in Niverville, the DQ Northgate, DQ uh, Polar Park, and DQ Saint Anne's waiting for you. Pop by, tell them you're a big fan of Winnipeg Sports Talk when you're there. And if you're looking for um, maybe a DQ cake for an event or a party coming up, don't bother doing it in advance. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and make your order through there, and they'll have it ready for you at any of the four stores to pick up very soon. Big thanks again to Nick and Nikki and DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's uh, welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press because obviously we want to start off talking about the Blue Bomber game, but there is a ton of things happening in and around the Canadian Football League, which honestly I think affect the sports environment as a whole right now in Canada. So let's get right to it with the hammer from the Winnipeg Free Press joining us on location from eastern canada a a private residence in eastern
2: canada what's going on dude how are you a hidden location in in ottawa ontario uh i'm doing great man you know it's uh i'm on this is day one of a week vacation and i got a few things planned for this week and nice to take a little bit of a break so yeah can't complain great to be on the show though as always
0: we always appreciate you taking the time especially considering you're on vacation um I got to ask you, uh, it's been like two years since we remembered what it was like to talk about the Bombers losing a football game, (laughs) which uh, is sort of funny. It speaks to how long it's been, but it also speaks to just how well things have gone with Zach Caleros at quarterback Mm -hmm. for the Blue Bombers. And for the first time, really, uh, Jeff, we we saw a Bomber offense that had some extended periods of uh, really sputtering, especially early in the football game, which... I think gave Toronto a lot of momentum and, you know, despite the heroics of Jackson Jeffcoat to get them right back in the game. um, The fact that the offense wasn't able to never mind move the football, move the chains very much in that first quarter, especially Mm -hmm. really sort of put them behind the eight ball. How did you see that going early on for the bomber offense?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that analysis that you, that you just kind of said. I, I would throw in there that, you know, the, the struggles were on both sides of the ball, offense and defense to start the game. You had an offense that couldn't put drives together, couldn't sustain, um, you know, even even if they didn't result in points, just couldn't keep their defense off the field. So, you know, there was an issue there. And then the Bombers' defense, you know, early in the game, I mean, you can talk about the time of possession. The time of possession was brutal, heavily in favor of Toronto. Um, so you kind of understood A bit about the defense but that doesn't really account for some of those struggles early on I I thought that Toronto picked apart the defense particularly with you know uh, smaller passes and and just kind of doing these screen passes right something that we saw with Nick Arbuckle when he came in um, in week two and got that touchdown drive to have to have some of that success those easy passes easy completions uh and then good blocking downfield but um the defense was able to kind of figure it out as time went went by and, and the offense unfortunately just couldn't really find their groove you know you had you know you look at you look at the the, the you look at the first half i mean the bombers kind of made two plays um, one being that strip sack by jackson jeff coat and picked up by jesse briggs and returned for a touchdown and then the then the gun to uh to darvin adams and it really kind of overshadowed what was a what was a tough kind of first two quarters for the team and then afterwards I mean it just it just never kind of clicked and then it became a little bit of a time issue and that's the funny thing with the CFL it's still a one score game and and you, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to score a touchdown in the dying seconds but the reality is is um you know Winnipeg was within a touchdown and if they stopped that last drive you know there's an opportunity at least to to even up the score but there's so many factors that went into that game I mean the kicking game still a big question mark that's I guess five points off the off the board because they got one with a with a missed uh, field goal but it just you know and then even you know look at Mike O'Shea I mean he shouldered a lot of the blame after the game too for his decision making deferring the, the coin toss and giving it to them twice having the confidence in his defense to stop them and create a position battle and then you know there was just you know so it just seemed like a bit of a collective effort and um, I'll wrap it up with saying that you know maybe this one was due for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers I mean maybe it's a bit of a piece of humble pie for the offense you had some guys saying in the last couple of weeks that not only could this <laughs> offense be the best in Bombers history but the entire CFL was the words that came out of Kenny Lawler's mouth and you know very talented very talented receiver but um, you know those are big words so you know maybe this is a good thing maybe this was due maybe this was a good thing and uh, yeah we'll see what happens
0: well, confirmed. the Bombers are not the greatest offense in CFL history at the moment right now, yeah. coming yeah. out of the game against, uh, against Toronto. It was funny. And I, I'll say this. Um, I think the offense did the defense no favors early, especially in the first half. I mean, they would get the ball, give it right back and they were getting right back out, but they did get back into the football game, mm-hmm. two point game late in that second quarter. And that touchdown drive that ended up with the touchdown in the final, what, 30 seconds of the, of the second half. I mean, I think that was absolutely massive for the Toronto Argonauts And that, you know, I think they were, the Bombers certainly had that momentum coming back from the Jeff coat sack, mm-hmm. which turned into the turnover and then the big Darwin Adams play. And then, you know, I was with a bunch of guys and we watched the game out at the Birchwood hotel up in uh, Lake country, uh, in Lake Winnipeg. And yeah. it was a great crowd. A lot of people that were really into the game and, once that touchdown came in, you know, there's a lot of groans in the first quarter, just the way things are, uh, had gone. But you certainly could feel collectively if you were on, you know, someone that was going for the Bombers, you were feeling pretty good about it. I, I have to give Nick Arbuckle in particular credit for the way he handled his decision making on that drive. And um, you know, that to me, that touchdown sort of put the favor right back into the Argos and then coming out of the gate in the third quarter, as you mentioned, they never really look back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to take that that final drive, fast, I agree with you. I think that was a bit of a dagger. I mean, it's still the game was still within reach, but um, I thought that was a byproduct of what they were able to do prior to that drive right I mean they had a, established the run they were they were getting yards in the run they were they were um, as I mentioned they were getting those short passes completed and so they kind of were you know they were opening up the chance to test downfield and sure enough devarius Daniels is wide open and you know just just falls short of the line and Nick Arbuckle punches it in so that's kind of when when things are rolling on offense you know it's easy to kind of say well look at the defense it was such a, a breakdown but when you're when you're beating them in two other parts of the game they start leaning towards there and it, and then all of a sudden you get a comfort level as Nick Arbuckle certainly did and you take the shot um, downfield and and you in in this case connected so i mean there's it, it's it's just I'm gonna say it's wild, but it's just like in the CFL, you can always look back at a couple different plays in a game that you, you clearly want back um, if it's against you. But that's certainly one where you know that game's you know back to being an even game. Maybe you can go into halftime and forget, um, or at least maybe even take some some solace of the fact that you're on the road and and you're able to kind of get through two two struggling uh, two struggling quarters. And then yeah, I mean that's that's the one right there that just leaves you thinking, okay, now you now you head into the Halftime, pissed off, and um, like, like you said, it was kind of all, all Argos from there.
0: Uh, the Alexander hit. We should touch on it. How did you see it?
2: You know, I I, I heard you guys talking ahead of the show. I, I don't know. You know, like to me, like I really think it depends. Like on these things, like, it depends what side you're on. And and you know, like you're going to have people who are really really mad in Toronto. You know, and 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 really, you know, defensive in Winnipeg. I mean, Brandon Alexander. I, I wrote in my my five takeaways the, the day um, yesterday was was that, you know, you look at you look at the situation and was it a clean hit? I mean, I don't play football, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I, to, to, to kind of ask me, like, if I thought that was a fair, it didn't look good. I mean, as, as Remo was saying earlier, like, when you see the the video pan to him and his eyes are like, you know, it looks like his brain's trying to catch up with his body. I mean, no one likes to see that. And then, you know, you have the argument of, well, it's a football play. Like, I mean, how often do you hear that in hockey? It's a hockey play. You know, there's there's circumstances where, you know, uh, it's just inevitable. It's a violent sport, all those things. But the reality is, and this is kind of where I stand on clean or not clean, legal or not illegal. um, These are situations that you have to do your best to prevent and how you do that. I don't know. I don't envy the person who's responsible and figure, out the safety of the game it's something that's been trying to be figured out for quite some time but um you know so i don't know if it's a if it's an illegal hit or if it's if it's a fair hit i think it's a quick hit it's a quick action i would make the argument that brandon alexander is not a cheap player doesn't have a bad reputation but that game was getting out of control like as far as the verbal jabs like guys were not happy with each other what factors go into things again i'm not in the mindset of, of brandon alexander but um i'm also thinking look at what happened the refs said, you know, he he came and talked after the game and said the refs told him it was a clean hit. Um, and then they, you know, from the sideline got word that it was now being reviewed based on the injury of the player. And so when you review it based on the injury of the player, that means that if if Daniels would have got up from that play and wouldn't have got popped, then they wouldn't have reviewed it. So it wouldn't have been called. So it's just, it's a confusing thing. It's a difficult spot to be in. Um, I think just where I stand with it is, is that like, you know, we talk about the dangers of football. We talk about, you know, dangers of head injuries, all these things, what exactly can be done. I don't know, but it did not look good to see Daniels the way he was. And I, I just have a feeling that the opinions vary depending on what side you're on.
0: Hey, hey, just on to that, you mentioned a lot of the talk. I mean, you said, and you covered a lot of football games in this league, um, you said that there was maybe more chirping and trash talk from the Argos than you'd seen from from any team. I mean, Mm -hmm. was it just we could hear a lot more because of the very sparse crowd in Toronto, or uh, (laughs) what was it?
2: no and i and the funny thing is is they closed the windows in toronto because there was a heat wave so i it's not like i could hear it from where i from my perch you could just tell like toronto's a very animated team look at look at the history of toronto this year right was it game one yeah it was a game one that Charleston hughes was walking up and down the field uh you know confronting the you know the the team he used to play for and the stampeders and and ripping into those guys and and whatever i even wrote about that i love that stuff you know i got it kind of has that wwe feel to it and, and you know i like that they're talking about that and it gets people hyped up and then look at the second week like the Argos came out late and I'm, I'm pretty sure they like kneeled or stood beside where the Bombers come out and that was a, a you know a a to me was a you know a thing similar to week one but he didn't have to get in the grill of former teammates or a former team he played for so there's just a piece and then, and then it's a rematch this past week right so Toronto's just really lit. I mean I heard some things about some you know players don't usually talk to coaches saw a lot of that I think Mike O'Shea got a fair amount of, of, of verbal abuse. Um, they just seem like a cocky, you know, lippy group. And when that happens, you know, guess where, guess what people who don't want to lip back off, they get it done on the field. So to me, you know, it's just, it it stood out. It seemed obvious. Um, you know, I don't want to make too much of it, but just kind of inquiring about it afterwards, it seems like, you know, there's a, there's a confident team and, you know, this is the approach that they want to take, whatever. But it's just, you know, it, sometimes you got to pay the price for it.
0: Um, Jeff, what about the special teams? the kind of mentioned the kicking. Um, it was, uh, you know, a, an issue once again. Are they going to stay the course right now on this? Or could you see a potentially another guy maybe coming in even as early
2: as this week? Look, I hate, like... Tyler Carpina, you know, he's been in the league for five years. You know, he's he seems like a good guy. He's had some of these issues before. You know, I, I remember in Saskatchewan, it was like, you know, that tough overtime win early on in that season a few years back. And it was, you know, so he he's kind of been through that. You know, from what I understand, he gets in his head a lot. He's really, really hard on himself. So like, you know i just want to preface it with that before i say like the bombers have to do something i mean this isn't you know like you can't just leave points on the board all the time you can't put a you can't put a guy out beyond 45 yards i mean you made the decision to have the wind at your back that was you know Mike O'Shea's decision with the coin toss to have your wind at the back which I imagine played at least in part with kicking down the road I mean to miss the 47 to miss a 37 and that might have been the worst kick attempt I've ever seen so I, I don't know like I just you think that they have to like I don't know how you continue this season if you want to repeat as champions with a kicker who you don't have a lot of trust in clearly and until he's does enough to prove that that you know, are worthy of that trust, then then I, you know, we're we're getting into week four here in a 14 game season and something's gotta give. I can't I just can't imagine you know, comes, you know, uh, in all likelihood, the Bombers are going to make the playoffs and and, and get the shot at defending their cup. But, you know, when you leaned on Justin Medlock the way you did for years, and he was a big part of your rebuild, a big part of your plans, a big part of salvaging all those points that you gave up. And to go back to that with a guy who seems to be even worse, I don't know. It's just, to me, like something's got to give and something's got to change. and um, Or it's just going to, you know, potentially just get worse.
0: Is, Is there any chance, like Medlock is not officially retired, right?
2: No, like I don't think he's filed his papers. Look, like it's not that the bombers d- just forgot his number. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy that they wanted to bring back. This is a guy that was under contract and was paid handsomely despite 2020 not going down. So it's not like they it's not like they looked yeah. at it and was like, no, he this is all Justin Medlock's decision. I mean, you know, he probably looked at COVID, he probably looked at his family situation, having a couple of young kids and his own personal situation and whatnot. And, you know all that time away from the game he's obviously older i mean to me it probably just didn't add up for him so uh, you know i certainly don't think this is the bombers being like oh we don't need justin medlock well you know or even a cost cutting thing which ultimately it would be um, just given you know what they're likely paying the two kickers they have on now versus what they were paying in justin medlock who is by far the highest paid player at least or at least among them um and so you know at this point whether he's available or not I don't think his price tag went down so you know I, I just I just don't see Justin Medlock as an option and I'm not saying I you know I'm not going to set, set any speculation by saying I wouldn't be surprised if he came I just I just don't think if he didn't come before he's going to want to have to jump through all the hoops now um, to get to get down here so no, it makes sense rather.
0: It just sometimes when the uh, level of urgency gets kicked up I mean sometimes maybe there's a little more traction in
2: some of those conversations Yeah, possibly and who knows maybe they're maybe they do the full court press and they say, Hey, look, and maybe he does have a change of heart. You know, Justin, Justin's an interesting guy. You know, he's obviously a very talented guy and you know, who knows? We'll see. Uh, uh,
0: one more before we get to what's happened in the Elks and the rest mm-hmm. of the CFL Brady Oliveira had that amazing first game. And mm-hmm. I think many of us, and I will put myself included in that said, oh, I mean, listen, you don't really have to worry much about the running game. You got an offensive line like this. And even without Andrew Harris, you got a young, talented player. With a lot less mileage, uh, you know, on the odometer going out, you know, they should be they should be solid on this. And you know, you'd love to see Andrew Harris come back. And I thought it bode very well when Harris is back that maybe you won't have to lean on him so much. Um, was that a mirage? Um, how would you how would you characterize what the Bombers have been able to do on the ground in these subsequent games against Toronto? And where does that leave the Andrew Harris situation knowing that he was on the practice field uh, as the Bombers tweeted out during their uh, closed practice last week?
2: Yeah, right. So to address the first question, obviously, you know, I, I don't think it's a huge concern. Obviously it was a great first week for Brady Oliveira, and it, and it's, you know, rightfully so set off a bit of a high expectation or, a, Oh, you know, not who needs Andrew Harris. Obviously this team needs Andrew Harris, but it's, Hey, thank goodness that they got this kid in here that not only is he, you know, possibly the future, but at least he's, he's, uh, he's doing pretty well in the present. So all that was good, but look at his stat line. It's seven carries two in the first half like i mean is it the run game or is it the abandoning the run game and so and 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 you only abandon the run game if you are chasing the game and you can make the argument that the bombers were chasing the game the entire game i mean toronto scored four uh, four of their first five drives so three of those were field goals of course but they were still racking up points and you know we saw it a bit last year with you know paul at police i mean he he did you know i'm not going to suggest any trends with Buck Pierce at this point? I mean we're 3 games into, you know, his his career as the OC and and you know we all we all know the the factors that played into the off season all those other things or whatever not making an excuse but just not going to say like he abandons the run game or he does this yada yada. We saw a little bit of that with Paul police last year. Um maybe a bit more commitment, but um if things aren't working early on and you're not getting into, you know, second and short situations, then you tend to move away from it, and the bombers weren't. The problem was is they weren't getting much of their their air attack going. Um, receivers, you know, we didn't even mention this, but or maybe you did, hus, But receivers were dropping the balls, so like there 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 was you know not really a good thing going there either. And and so I don't know. To me, it's it, it, it's it's getting to be a concern in the sense that this is now the second straight game that you haven't been able to establish. But that you also have to understand they played Toronto both of those games. So maybe Toronto just has a good D line. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they have a good front seven. If it was if it was Toronto one week and then a different team the other week and they were both stuffing then, well, you have two of, of eight other teams that are stuffing you where whereas in this situation you have one um so yeah i think we're going to get a bit more answers with with calgary calgary's been a bit of a sieve when it comes to to the run game so i think maybe if they can't get that going maybe perhaps this is this is what they need or 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 the the team they need to come up against but um at this point i'm I'm not overly worried the other thing too is Oliver um um needs to learn the other parts of being a running back, you know, like he, he's a North South runner. Um, you know, we all look at Andrew Harris and how talented he is as a runner and a catcher. He's, you know, I don't think Brady's as good of a catcher at this point than Andrew Harris, or as confident of a catcher. I know he can catch, we've seen it. Um, but the other part that Andrew Harris is very, very good at is blocking. And so, you know, this is a guy who's being asked to do a lot at a young age and he's doing well. And so, you know, just like you can't get just like we shouldn't get super, super high off that first, that first week. I don't think we can look at the last two weeks and go, well, yeah, maybe what we thought was good in week one is, is actually not the case. So I'm still in a wait and see approach. Mm -hmm. However, you know, after two back-to-back games where the running game isn't being established and, you know, obviously the offense's worst game of the season so far this past week, that's just going to be the vibe. Um, The good news for the Bombers is they can flip the script with a good effort this weekend.
0: All right, Jeff Hamilton, the free press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Let's move away from the bomber game on the weekend and to the current situation. We're already down to three games this week in the Canadian Football League because the Elks and Argos is not happening on Thursday. Apparently, you know, why don't you give us an update on what you know? There has been a number of cases within the Edmonton Elks team. The game is postponed right now. Um, First of all, what's going on there? And what are the ramifications for the Elks in particular and the rest
2: of the CFL season, Jeff? Oh, loaded. So, I mean, to me, so you hear everything from five players have tested positive to a significant number of players tested positive. What I look at, obviously there's an outbreak there. Um, A number of players have tested positive, and I believe the indication that when you're canceling the game, like, I mean, think about it. They had two players test positive the week before, and they hardly said boo. So in this situation, it's announced Sunday night, it's canceled Sunday night, Tells me it's significantly serious. And the other big thing to play in all this is Edmonton's one of the least vaccinated teams in the CFL. So You know anyone who's caught up to the news you need you know the cfl a couple weeks ago to incentivize players to get the vaccination came up with some pretty you know drew a hard line in the sand saying that you know we don't want canceled games this is an incentive to you know to have players get vaccinated because you know our business model is as we all know the cfl isn't you know flooded with cash like we've seen you know like the nfl and whatnot so they need to be extra careful and the fact of the matter is is we now have a team who's been twice having issues and this one is going to probably be significant now, what's the ramifications from this? Well, a couple of things. The rule that I was getting to is 85% of your players need to be at least one vaccinated, if not fully vaccinated, and they're not close. So they don't reach that. And if you don't reach that, and you're the team that's created the forfeited game, and, and the forfeited game would be if they can't reschedule, which is a thing I'll get into after, um, is you you don't get paid. So, you know, they're not, they haven't reached that. And, and I mean, on the vaccination part, I'm, I'm just kind of getting sick of this vaccination stuff. You know what I mean? We need to, you know, players are, are talking, you know, players come in, it's not a right to play in the Canadian Football League, okay? So if you're going to come from the States or wherever, even from Canada here and play on a team and not want to get vaccinated for whatever reason, no one's forcing you to get vaccinated. But like, we're getting situations like this. And, you know, the reality is, is the teams that have the higher vaccination rates, and I'm not going to go drop names here, but the teams that have high vaccination rates are the ones that have their leaders vaccinated. Yeah. Edmonton doesn't. So, you know, you can fill in the blanks and, you know, speculate whatever you want, but there's a, if you have your leaders in that locker room, who don't believe in vaccinations. And this is the situation have, I just have no sympathy for losing game checks. You knew it. I mean, these, these teams are supposed to have, um, they have, like, I know the bombers have, I know other teams across the league have had information sessions. They brought doctors in, they've done all these things to everything they can do to convince players you know, that this is what they need to have a season, yada, yada, yada. And that's just fallen on deaf ears, it seems, in Edmonton. So, you know, it's 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 now a situation where, and it's more than just getting COVID, right? So if you have, if you are close contact and you're not vaccinated, it's provincial health rules that you have to be isolated. You have to be. So like all those guys who aren't vaccinated, and if they were a close contact, now they're in isolation.
0: Hey, Just Jeff, hold on a sec. Isn't that... Isn't that a provincial law everywhere except Alberta?
2: Well, it it, it is in in the sense, but it's not with the league's rules. So the league's rules are different than the provincial rules. So I did mention the province, but in that province, yes. Yeah. So you you can get COVID. And you don't have to you don't have to isolate. But if you're in the CFL and you signed off with the provincial public health orders, not the provincial rules, you're different, right? Is that that's the way because they need to ensure the community and and ultimately the league the CFL needs to do a balance of both so the isolation period now puts people in whether they have it or not because they're supposed to those are the rules and now they're working with health professionals at the provincial level to ensure that they you know that everything is good for them to get back on so the other part now is how do you reschedule this game so that you can prevent um, that you can prevent you know these players from losing out on money well the options at least from what I've seen are kind of two ways either it's next week you know like a monday of next week because they didn't play this week so it's like can you do that quick turn around with isolation probably not it's like these guys have 48 hours of isolation so we need to figure out exactly how bad this is it seems bad but with all those factors this weekend now looks or this next week looks impossible the other option is edmonton's third week um in in October. And if you look at the Argos, who would be the team they have to play against, they already have like four games that month. You end up putting like four. You end up putting like three or four games in a sixteen-day stretch, and I don't know, like, how can you come out as a league and say, like, because this is the statement. Anyone saw the statement? This was all about player safety. Like, they even ended. They mentioned player safety at the top, and at the bottom, they go, "I know, and no one would disagree with our commitment to player safety," kind of thing. Well, how do you how do you stand on that with player safety and then force the Toronto Argonauts to play what five games in a in a one month stretch or whatever it would be? Like, it's just ridiculous. So, it it would be one thing.
0: It would be one thing. If it was Toronto that was the reason that this game was canceled, and hey, well, exactly. you have that option, 100%. or but it's not. And it's it's not. Toronto and who's I mean,
2: getting double you, screwed.
0: Yeah, you cannot force the Toronto Argonauts to go and play a game on three days rest and like squeeze another one in. Well, exactly. Just a, because
2: you know, one team did you know, had an outbreak, you know, whether it's on, you know, obviously it's unfortunate, but yeah, exactly. Like it's just that it just goes down to player safety. It just, well, let, me ask you this.
0: let me ask you this based on that. And I mean, I think it's pretty clear what the CFL wants and the direction that they've given. And, you know, if Edmonton is dragging at the bottom of the league when it comes to getting players vaccinated, had the two guys, and then had this happen afterwards, Like, I would be shocked if they, you know, really try to go through any hoops to try and get this game played more than, you know, if anything else, this is a heck of a tough lesson for a team to learn and a great example for the rest of the league that, listen, if you don't have your ducks in a row at home and this happens, we weren't joking when we said that you would lose the game and... To the rest of you guys that were hoping for a game check, guess what? There's no game. We can't sell any tickets. The game's not on TV. So we told you this was happening. And unfortunately for you all, you're not getting paid.
2: Well, exactly. And I mean, the other thing too, Hus, is that the other incident and probably why it was so seamless is because both those guys had their vaccinations. So that was like, it probably was like, okay, they're asymptomatic. They tested positive, but no one else, you know, everyone else is fine. They didn't have, you know, there's nobody that had, you know, who wasn't vaccinated, that got it, whatever. And now you isolate those two guys for a very minimal amount of time and then they're back at it. So like this situation is obviously much different. There's only some clues we can, we can pull from just what we, what we've seen in the last, whatever, 12, 20, you know, 20 hours here from last night and, and just kind of figure out what happens. I just, I just can't see, under these circumstances, without it being a massive logistical endeavor, how you're going to kind of fit this game into a season. And we knew this. This is why the rules came out. There is very little wiggle room between now and the Great Cup. So it's just, and what's the fallout from that? I mean, it's going to be, you know, like I always say, CFL is not short on drama, and I think we're going to get a heavy dose of that coming up here. Uh,
0: It has been interesting to see how many other Teams in the Canadian Football League. We're going to talk to Andrew Stoughton about the Blue Jays in a few minutes. The Blue Jays have made an announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk around here that the Bombers, when, you know, they decided that they were going to go and they got the green light to have 100% capacity, but you had to show your vaccination records. That was somehow very controversial in some circles. Uh, it now seems like it is pretty much common stance. And um, the example that it's been set here in Manitoba is being followed throughout the league. And even in the United States, I almost fell off my chair when I heard the Vegas Raiders would be only allowing vaccinated fans into Allegiant field. But uh, it seems like people are sort of waking up to the situation, Jeff. And if you want to fill a building and you want to do it safely, there's really only one option. And that's to do it with vaccinated fans.
2: And I think it's, it's a couple different things, right? I mean, even look, if you just want to isolate it on the CFL, I mean, I think it was six cases and, and likely more were connected to, you know, the rough riders uh, season opening game at Mosaic stadium, which which was a sold out crowd. Um, and I don't believe any have been connected to the bombers season opening crowd, which was around 30,000. So, you know, the proof is there. I think there's a lot of people, you know, I think it's a bit of um, Alberta's is a bit of the wild West, obviously with what they're doing, but I think those are going to change. I think you see with MLSC, I think they said mid September. So, um, so Toronto, at least I think you're going to see the teams Well, you will see the teams where the NHL is going to be enforcing full vaccination to get into arenas. They're going to then extend it to their own stadiums. And I, and I, and I just, I think it's a good idea, not just because um, it's the right thing to do. In my opinion, it's also one of those things where it just creates a safer environment for everybody and even just mentally safer environment. And that, you know, I do think there's a lot of people like, it's not like CFL stadiums were selling out like crazy and, you know, not, not putting in these kind of precautions would have insulted tens, of thousands of fans, and and you know created a bit of a you know a mob to to not want to go to games. I think they're probably getting a lot of communication from from their fans saying because as you mentioned, you know whether the bombers were the pioneers or started, they were obviously one of the very first to to enact it here in Canada. Uh, you get a lot of people from other provinces saying, well, what's you know adding their their respective teams and saying, well, look at the bombers are doing, look what you know, look at Winnipeg's doing. I'm not going to a game unless unless these rules are in. So you have to wonder. Just how much of a, of a of an impact it does have at the gate from all those people who go well, you know what? Like, I don't I don't feel comfortable going to a game unless everyone's vaccinated. And there's some people who aren't comfortable going to games even if they're everyone is vaccinated. So <laughs> to me, yeah, it, it, it seems overdue. It seems like uh, I just don't know the logic behind. You know, just go ahead and go. Like, I, I just you know we have to live with this or whatever the explanation is. It just doesn't make any sense to me why you would look at, you know, look at what the bombers are doing and look at the success that they've had and, you know, you know, whatever, and and listen to your own fans in a lot of way and not just kind of do the obvious thing and enact, you
0: know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, from, from my perspective, I mean, it goes a, a, a twofold. I mean, and maybe we'll bring this to the jets, You know, the Jets, um, you know, as a season ticket holder, we all got a a survey, a bunch of questions. How do you feel about coming back to the games? What it was. And listen, from a business perspective, I think right off the bat, these teams need to sell as many tickets as they can. And it goes without saying that... You know, anytime you make a decision like that, you may have some people like they'll be and I, I won't characterize them, but oh, this is bullshit. I shouldn't have to be vaccinated. But yeah, there's a few of those people. There's a way greater number of people that are I want to go. I'm vaccinated. I'm willing to pay, but I sure as hell I'm not going if I think the yahoos all around me are you know are not going to be that way. So the comfort for the fans was first and foremost. The other <laughs> thing was the ability for teams to actually get above a 50% threshold at minimum doesn't happen until that is the case. But when it comes to the Canadian football league, and I realize it's outdoors and it's a little different, Jeff. Um, but man, I mean, there it's quite obvious when you look at some of the crowds around the league, especially in Saskatchewan going from game one to game two, that there is a number of people that just simply were not comfortable with going into a building, not knowing if the people around
2: them had two shots. Absolutely. And you're going to have that everywhere. And I mean, just to off your original point, like, look, I'm not telling anybody they got to get the vaccine. But if you think you have a right to go to a Canadian football league game, like whatever you're smoking, I'll take a quarter and whatever else (laughs) is going on about, you know, this whole idea that your rights are being infringed. Like, I don't know, man, like I just find it to be just such a weird take. Like, no, like if you want to, if you want to really flex your muscles and and not support a league that doesn't, that is making you get vaccinated or making you have vaccination to get in, well then you show them, you know, you don't take your money out. You don't pay for those tickets. You, You know, you let them know that that's your stance, but you don't have a right to sit in a CFL football stadium. Like it just, and it starts and ends there. So, you know, you do, I I guess you do if the, if the, if the team and want, wants to allow you, but at the end of the day, the ones that are, are, are enforcing the double vaccination are putting the greater good here of the greater group of people. And we've all seen, you know, what COVID has done, we've, you know, we've seen how many people it's affected. I mean, I don't know what you need to know more about. I mean, we're all feeling the COVID fatigue. We're all affected in one way or another, but the reality is, is nobody wants to get it. And the best way of not getting it is to get double vaccinated because it's crazy. It just, it just seems so obvious to me, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's grown into this d- divisive, you know, hate fueled debate over whether or not we should be protecting our fellow neighbor. And I just, no one's forcing you to get the job. I just can't go to a CFL game. Uh
0: Well, I tell you what, this situation at Edmonton will be very interesting to follow, but um I'd be surprised at this point, based on what we know, if it doesn't end in a loss for the Elks and, and that will be, that is going to be interesting. And that will have a trickle effect. There'll be people paying attention to that in all of the other leagues as well, other than just in the CFL hammer. Listen, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great time out East. Behave yourself for the rest of your week off and come back in one piece. And we'll talk to you next week, pal. I
2: already told someone I'd be on my worst behavior. So <laughs> unfortunately that's going to be the case. Anyways, have a great one guys. Thanks for having me on. Always love being, Adam, love uh, the crowd in sports. Thanks and so for the much. the comments section. Thanks guys. Take yeah, care.
0: You got oh, lots of fans for the hammer in there today. At Jeff K. Hamilton, Winnipeg Free Press off for a few days. He'll be back next week. Great to have him on the program. We're going to kind of bounce off that to the majors. And of course, talk about a tough weekend for the Blue Jays coming up with Andrew Stoughton. And just as we do that, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Paramount Services Limited who's been with us on board for about a month or so. It's great to have them with us. Paramount Services Limited is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada. And they're doing it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for just about three decades. If you or your business are looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler supplies for your business – or need help with HVAC plumbing, electrical handiwork, all of that stuff, give them a call, talk to my friend Carrie O'Brien, or check their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com for more information. And of course, they're always looking for qualified techs specializing in HVAC plumbing, electrical, or handiwork. Go to their website and submit your resume today. They are a member of the local Plumbers and Pipefitters Union. A big shout out to our friends at Not AutoCorp. If you're thinking about getting a vehicle before you do anything, Talk to the experts at Not. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? You can all see them in person at Waverley and McGillivray, or check them out online at Not.ca. And very soon, the Car Lab will be opening up there at Waverley and McGillivray as well at Not Osgoode Court. Very exciting things coming for the Not family. And a shout-out to our friends at Boston Pizza. It wasn't really patio weather this weekend for about the first time in three months around here. Uh, So we may have to go inside to the lounge for the next couple days. But the summer menu is here. You can try the Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, and some of the great summer cocktails, including the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl and the Peachy Mojito Royale. Summer's here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses are optional. Uh, very much excited to welcome our next guest and talk to him many times during our TSN years. And it's great to welcome Andrew Stoughton in for the first time to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Andrew covering the Blue Jays, Blue Jays and podcasting about the Blue Jays on the incredibly named the Bat Flip" Substack. uh, Let's welcome him in. Andrew, what's going on? How are you?
3: I'm doing great. I'm doing better than the Blue Jays. So (laughs) I hope we all are at this point.
0: Yeah. You know what? Listen, before we get to where they're at right now in the playoff race, what's going well and what isn't, um, you know, we were just speaking with Jeff Hamilton uh, about you know a bunch of Canadian Football League talk. We talked about the game. Now there's the situation with the Elks and we're seeing more and more teams in the league follow the lead of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers saying, you know, you can come to our games and we're going to fill this stadium, but it's going to be filled with double vaccinated fans. The Blue Jays just made a similar announcement, I believe September 13th will be the date that proof of vaccination will be needed to get in to go to the games. Thoughts on that and how is it being received in Toronto and by Blue Jays fans?
3: By the ones that I follow, it's being received very well. I mean, honestly, I think that that you can also get in if you have a negative test, which I'm kind of slightly disappointed that they... Uh, that they went that route but I'm also glad that they finally have caught up because yeah they had an opportunity to lead on this and and could have been doing this from the beginning but uh, but didn't and I think it's you know it's mostly just to do to uh, they want to get a capacity crowd in there and that's the way that 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 has to take place right so I don't even know how badly they want to do it um but uh, for me I think it's a huge win and and yeah it's going to be necessary just to be comfortable in a building that size with that many people I think you know, there obviously been- everyone everywhere should be doing this right
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, it sort of seems like common sense. Um, And, you know, it's been funny. I mean, you know, the Bombers had 30,000 packed in in game number one. And from all reports, nothing coming out of that. They've had two home games now. And then just down the way in Saskatchewan, they had a full building for the first game. And lo and behold, six people got it in the pill section and more Mm. coming out of it. I mean, you sort of just assume that that sort of thing is going to happen in large groups where people aren't vaccinated. Um, has there been any reports coming out of the Blue Jays game so far? Again, they have been playing with a very limited crowd. I guess that's the first and foremost, which could be a kick in the ass to the people running the club. <laughs> that oh, maybe we should go the route that we can get more people in the building.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. And honestly, I haven't heard reports of, of of cases popping up from the Blue Jays, uh, from Blue Jays games from that crowd. Uh, You know, I don't know how seriously they're enforcing some of uh, the distancing rules that they're probably supposed to be in place and or the mask rules. I've definitely heard grumblings from people about that. And uh, you can see it on TV. You know, they've obviously, you know, they have a huge stadium, but they've they've closed the 500s. And it's really just to sort of save money, I think, to uh, uh, to limit the number of ushers and all that sort of all that sort of stuff. Uh, So uh, I'm a bit cynical about how they're doing this, I guess. But uh, it seems like so far so good. And, you know, to move to a bigger Capacity, uh, I think getting the only double vax people in is uh, is the way to go. It's uh, it is about time. It's you know I'm looking, You know <laughs> they could do it. They could do it today if they if you know if you ask me. I mean, not wait until September 13th because at that point, uh, <laughs> what's going to be left in their season anyway? <laughs> it doesn't feel great.
0: Well, it, exactly, and uh, I guess transitioning to what's happening on the field, the possibility of pl- postseason play took a big hit this week. I mean, starting off with that tough mini series in Washington and then two extra inning losses to the tigers. Um, how would you characterize what did and didn't happen for the blue Jays in this very important week that just passed?
3: Yeah, it's just, it's really tough, right? It's, um, uh, you know they've stopped hitting at the wrong time it's it's definitely you know and it's been a thing all year uh you know they've hit well all year but there's no, nothing has ever really seemed to line up for this team you know whether it's the decision making which i know is a thing that people have a real issue with i'm probably on the lesser side of the spectrum of that but the bullpen has been a disaster and that sort of crept up again they just don't have the horses right now uh but yeah it's uh, right the, the, it's hard to blame the bullpen for what it, the job that it did yesterday uh and the job that it did all weekend um uh, because, you know, the hitters just aren't hitting. And that's that's been tough. It's been tough to watch Vlad, you know, going back to some of the bad habits and some of the, the negative things that we saw last year, hitting the ball into the into the carpet a lot, uh, just not looking like the guy for the last couple months, really, like he was at the start of the season. So that's uh, that's not helped. Not having Springer hasn't helped. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's always something with this team, it seems, this year. It's just so strange because they're such a talented group and, and you know, you really see how the pieces can work, uh, you would think. Uh, but it's just not coming together. And you know their hopes took a hit absolutely. Uh, it, it is not over. I know I've seen a lot of people ready to ready to call the season over, and it's like, you know, there's still a month plus another week, you know left. There's still a lot of games left, but they are running out of time, very obviously. Uh, and it is uh, it is is a low point, I think, for the season right now.
0: Well, and, and, you know, and as bad as last week was, I mean, you you flip the script, do a 180 and uh, go on a tear and go 5-1 and one or, you know, 6-0 and oh in a couple series. And, you know, you're basically right back where you were, but you got to get that done. A yeah. couple of <laughs> things that you mentioned I want to touch on. Um, Vlad, uh, you know, he was putting up MVP numbers, but anyone that's watched this team over the course of, well, you mentioned two months. I was going to say kind of four to six weeks would see a player sure. that sure. does not seem to have the confidence that he had when... I mean, he was playing like the most feared hitter in all of baseball. What's happened with Guerrero right now?
3: That's a great question. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, so much of, of what was positive about the start of his year. Uh, people would attribute to conditioning and, you know, he came in, he looked slimmer. And uh, and obviously that seemed to work. And I think that also like physically uh, shows up in his swing, right? Just his ability to stay balanced, his ability to, uh, to put his best swing on the ball as often as possible. And I don't know if it's physical, but it does feel like, you know, the season has been a grind. It's been a grind for everybody. He's a guy who's really young. Uh, He's getting to the point where he hasn't played this many games in a season ever before. And I just wonder if it's wearing on him. I know he's also, you know, he was hit on the hand a while back, but I think his struggles had started before that. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's been rough and it's a a funk that he needs to get out of. And it's a funk that was kind of masked a bit by George Springer being here and then his recent injury uh has has really been a setback because i think that that was really the moment where uh things started to fall apart a bit for them
0: well and speaking of springer i mean i was going to kind of transition from one guy to the other it's been frustrating for jay's fans for how much time he has missed but my god when he's been in the lineup it seems like he makes everybody else better um I mean, how important is this guy to the team? And I mean, and when he is in the lineup, I mean, the effect that they have him hitting at the top, the support he gives to others. Um, I guess how important is he, and how bad are they missing him right now? <laughs> as we've seen, what's happened over the course of this past week.
3: I think. I mean, I think it's huge, obviously, right? I mean, Randall Grichik is not giving you the production that George Springer wrote was, like, like plain and simple. But I think you're right that it extends beyond just like looking at the numbers, and he's a guy who. Uh, you know the, out there, he's still in the dugout, but it's uh, it's obviously not as much of a fun atmosphere lately as it has been uh, for much of the season. And I, I think he he's been huge. He's proven himself huge. And it's strange to think that he's played so few games, uh, uh, but was obviously there at uh, that first home stand back in Toronto. Was you know the the moment where the season really sort of to seem, sort of seemed to sort of have momentum. Uh, and I, I think that a lot of it is attributable to him. And uh, he's just a guy who you know can go and recognize pitches and go out and hit and doesn't you know uh some people are uncomfortable uh coming out right off the field i know there's a story i think out there about justin smoke didn't like hitting second because it was too soon after he had came off the field to to get ready to hit and springer is just ready locked and loaded all the time uh and it's been huge and you know this is a team that uh has felt like it's been playing like from behind so often this year uh and and to have a guy at the top of the lineup you know, start off games with home runs, start off games with doubles. It's been, it's been really enormous for them. And just taking away that one piece from the offense has been huge too. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think things would have looked different had he been healthy uh, this last week or two. What What are you
0: hearing about, um, about Springer? I mean, uh, what's the best case scenario for him coming back and um, adding a big boost to this Blue Jays batting order?
3: Yeah, I, I think Shai Davidi of Sportsnet reported uh, the other day or yes, yesterday, I think, Uh, that, you know, things are looking good. They're sort of positive, but it's hard to take the Blue Jays on injury stuff very seriously. (laughs) Like, there's been so many times where things have started, you know, we're told they're looking good and it takes forever. You know, Ryan Barucki's going to be out a couple days and he'll be back and then you don't see him for a month and a half. Uh, I'm optimistic that, you know, I think obviously we saw at the, the the sort of debacle at the start of the year when Springer came back too early, like he's going to do everything in his power to get on the field and get back as quickly as possible. So it's possible it's just the minimum, the, uh, the 10 days, which would mean he could come back this weekend. But I think that's probably too soon. But it's also, I think when we first heard about the injury and the nature of it, uh, Bo Bichette had a similar injury. that took him out about a month last year. Uh, and so I think it's going to be shorter than that, but probably not, you know, the minimum 10 days Uh and that's that's huge. That's that's a that's a really important thing. The Jays have some games against the Orioles. They're they're in tough this week against the White Sox, but uh, but there is a chance to have that run still. And it, it, it's tough for me to watch people being like, "Well, that's it. I'm not watching. It's not fun." And you're not wrong that it's not fun, and you don't have to watch. But it's not it's not quite done yet. Um, but it's uh, you know it's hard to have a lot of faith in this team because we've been saying all year they just need to make their move, and they haven't made that move.
0: Well, and, and the the. Uh... Somewhat ironic thing about it is that we're having this conversation today. A day after Stephen Matz goes out and gives up one run in six innings, and Ryu pitches a shutout the day before. You've added Barrios. Manoa's been brilliant with the exception of the getting roughed up in in, in Washington. I, I think big picture, mean, right now, I mean, if there's a reason to maybe feel optimistic going forward, is the fact the one thing that you can usually count on the Toronto Blue Jays <laughs> is, is they can hit the cover off the ball. We were never sure what we were getting from the starting pitching, and we sure as hell didn't know what was happening once they went to the bullpen. But the bats have been the backbone of this club. And if that could return with the way that Atkins and Shapiro have added, particularly to that starting rotation, I, you know, I think that you know, Blue Jays fans should at least have some hope that these are meaningful games going forward because of what they have if they can just start getting the guys at the plate to start you know, a little bit of forward momentum.
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it would be <laughs> it would be a nicer position if the season was maybe a month longer than it is. Like that would, if they had a little more time, but that's that's just where we are. They are running out of time, but they haven't run out of time yet. Uh, but and it, it is it's so it's so frustrating and confounding that that has really been the backbone of the team all year, uh, and that's been the one thing that you can sort of count on. And now it's disappeared at a time when everything else seems to be. Well, the bullpen's still a bit of a mess, but everything else, the starters at least have solidified and have been great. And you know, man, it's just, it's so tough to watch a team where you, you know, you have that you have four all stars in your lineup, and you have George Springer as well when he's healthy, and you have starting pitching that you can rely on, and still just sputtering and can't win games. And it's you know that's the nature of the sport sometimes, but uh, it doesn't make it any less agonizing.
0: Let me ask you about Charlie Montoyo. I mean, I remember having conversations on this program early in the season that you know we saw the incredible talent of this Blue Jays team, but we also saw a relatively young and immature team and, and a team that was, you know, making terrible base running decisions. Some of the defense wasn't there. And then you add in some, uh, we'll just call them questionable decisions by the manager as well. Um, Where are you on Montoya right now? And, and let's just say that You know, they finish up this season sort of where they are. I mean, in striking distance, playing some meaningful games in the stretch, but really not in the mix for the playoffs in the last couple of weeks. You know, they've added, they've got burials for next year. I mean, I think everyone's pretty excited about the potential of this team going into next season and beyond. Will Montoya be the guy that will be back next season? Or is there some things that he needs to do right now and his team needs to do to ensure that he'll be back next season?
3: Uh, well if you ask the fans, that he would not be back, that's for sure. Uh, but I think I, I think he's gonna get a lot of leeway because of the three cities that they played in, because of some of what you said about, you know, the way that we've seen, you know, Bichette has improved defensively, it feels over the course of the year. Some of that stuff has tightened up, and it is a young team, and it is a team that that I think the Blue Jays feel benefits from having that guy who's even keeled who's positive. I know that there are some, you know, there, I've sort seen rumblings on Twitter, which, you know, you can you can find any opinion. Uh, there so who knows what to take seriously but about he you know he doesn't have the will to win he's too happy to lose and that's kind of a thing and I'm just I I don't think that's kind of the sport that we're playing here Um, but I completely understand why fans are frustrated Uh, there have definitely been some questionable decisions the pinch hit of of, of Alejandro Kirk for Breivik Valera to lay down a bunch that didn't work the other night was (laughs) particularly frustrating Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to The fact that that a lot of the time this year he just hasn't had the horses, in particular in the bullpen. Like there have been, and I think people don't uh, appreciate the fact that you know high performance has a say and and is really being meticulous about having guys rested. Like for example, Tim Mesa and Jordan Romano weren't available yesterday, so they didn't end up going. So that's you know it's hard to put it on Charlie when he sort of has a mandate to not contradict what the high performance department is saying or wherever that's coming from that's saying you know these guys need a rest we need to be extra careful with these arms and it's, uh, but at the same time I'd see I th- so I think it's kind of more of a process problem what people put on Charlie because I think there's as the Blue Jays will tell you all the time they're a collaborative group and it, it's you know it, his, it is his decision but there's a lot that goes into it and I think that 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 you know I think people are being tough on him when it's really a systemic thing um but yeah it it's you're i don't know what you're saving those guys for if you're if you're not pitching them yesterday, right I mean Tim Mayza, romano would, would have had to go three days straight, I get that, but Tim Mays maybe could have gone, but he'd just come off the d l uh and and I guess they didn't want to use him, but uh, that's tough because you know if you're trying to keep his arm healthy for meaningful games at the end of the year, these are them we're here like you need to you need to start winning, but I don't think that's going to affect his employment personally I wouldn't be shocked if he got fired. Uh, if they wanted to do something else there. But I really think that he's a symptom more than a, than, than an actual root cause of what's going on.
0: Andrew Stoughton's our guest talking Blue Jays here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Jays begin a series tonight. Heck of a pitching matchup. Lance Lynn going up against Alec Manoa. We'll see how he bounces back. Um, you know, the White Sox are an elite team in the AL right now. And I would say... That there is really something to be gained right now if they can squeeze two, even three wins out of this series to push them in. Because you look at the schedule after that, Andrew, you know, they go right back up against the Tigers. I'm sure they feel like they owe that team a few. Then they've got the free (laughs) space on the bingo card, which is the Baltimore Orioles, as it were, in Major League Baseball. And then awaits the Oakland A's. So before you look at these other teams, I mean, four important games right now. And uh, Matt, if they could get it together and get a few big wins, it seems like this is the sort of series that could really be a springboard going forward to some very, very important series where they simply have to get series wins.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And uh, it's going to be tough. The White Sox are good, but the Blue Jays are good. It's, it's sort of the other thing, right? I mean, and, and it's been easy to forget because it's been so frustrating, but like, you know, for the fans of, of the Jays who are counting them out, I don't think fans of the A's or of the Mariners or the Red Sox are counting them out either. I mean, the Yankees winning nine in a row is, you know, sort of the thing that the Blue Jays need to do. But, yeah, you're uh, – and they may be out-distancing themselves from the rest of the pack uh, along with the Rays. But, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting series. I mean, Lynn is so tough. Rodon, I think, is going to be pitching. And, and it's uh, it's a really good team. The White Sox are, have a, a, a bullpen that's just absolutely ridiculous as well. So uh, we'll see late and close has not been fun for the Blue Jays uh, lately, which is sort of a roster construction thing. And it's definitely a thing that's been been talked about. You know, they don't you know, once the velocity really starts ticking up, they they have a little bit more problems than other teams do. And they're also very right handed. And that's what you you know, that's what you're going to see in bullpens all the time is uh, right handed power relievers. So that, that could be tough. They need to so- score some runs early. Uh, but they certainly could do it, and they could certainly pull off some big wins, just like the Tigers could beat a really good Blue Jays team. And and the, just the way that this team could fall apart by losing to lesser teams, you know that happens all the time. And I think it, it would be, it would be nice. It would be very nice. And I think that they would deserve a, a big series win here uh, to hopefully get them back in you know good standing and a good mindset among the fans and among the team because it's it, it's been it's been grim the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie.
0: Well, big, big game tonight. We'll see what they can do. Lynn going against Manoa, who's been one of the great stories this year mm-hmm. of the Blue Jays season. I got to ask you one non-Jays question. Uh, we Inevitably, anytime we're talking with baseball this year, we ended up talking about this individual, Shohei Otani. You've been following this game as a fan. You've been in the media for a long time. I mean, I, I'm sometimes speechless trying to talk about what he's doing and just how special and absurd what he's doing this season – uh, why don't you give it a try, Andrew?
3: <laughs> I mean, you're you're not wrong. It is. It's absurd. It's special. It's uh, it's it, it's it's hard to wrap your head around. And it's like I, I I have many non-baseball friends, and you know, trying to explain to them the best pitcher is also leading in home runs is just it, it's a <laughs> wild concept. And people are like, oh, really? Like it it is a it it's such a huge story that should be a bigger story because he's just an incredible incredible talent. Uh, and there's no reason he can't keep doing this for, for years too, which is, which is wild to think, but it, it's been an, it's been a special season. Obviously the Vlad, uh, Otani MVP debate has died down considerably over the last month or so. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 I'm speechless too. It's just, it's, it's, it's so much fun to watch and he is, you know, he is fun to watch in both those elements too. It's not that he's, uh, you know, it, it, they are just big moonshot swings, he's one of the fastest guys in the league too, which doesn't get talked about enough. Like there is just so much about his game to love. Uh, and we're all lucky to be able to watch it. Right? It's, it's been great.
0: You know, even with this miserable week for the Jays, a lot of love for the Jays talk and Andrew Stoughton in the chat today. So we appreciate oh, yeah. that. I knew you will. Andrew <laughs> fill everyone in on um, uh, the backflip, uh, what you're doing right now and where they can both read and uh, hear the podcasting you're doing following the Blue Jays on a daily basis.
3: Yeah, it's uh, batflip.ca. It's my substack. You can chip in some money, but I try to keep everything free. Uh, and yeah, I also host a podcast. I co-host it with Nick Ashbourne, who, who a lot of people probably remember from Yahoo Sports and has done stuff for, uh, for Sportsnet as well right now. Uh, and it's called Blue Jays Happy Hour. You can catch that every Friday afternoon. Um, and we're just, we're trying to keep it happy. We're trying to keep those positive vibes going, but, uh, but, uh, it has become a little more difficult lately.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe Manoa can get back and kind of start a big resurgence by the Jays after a very tough week. Andrew, always love chatting with you. Thanks so much for doing this. You do have the best named baseball site of them all with the bat flip. I just oh, yeah. absolutely love that and, uh, <laughs> always love the content. So thanks so much and, uh, enjoy the games this week.
3: we Will do. Anytime. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, give him a follow on Twitter as well, folks, at Andrew Stoughton. Um, Long time covering the Blue Jays. And uh, yeah, the Batflip is really fun. A great way of approaching things. Maybe different than a lot that you get in the mainstream media. So highly recommended, especially for you Jays hardcores. Get out to the Batflip and uh, all his links right there uh, at Andrew Stoughton. Click him on Twitter. Andrew, thanks again for joining us, man. That was was phenomenal. All right. Uh, We've got much more to get to on the program. Uh, Big shout out to Little Brown Jug and their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know it's not quite patio weather today, and maybe you don't want to go out. But, you know, you're like me and have a big fantasy draft tonight. Well, instead of leaving the house to go to the beer store, just go to the website, littlebrownjug.ca. It's easier than ever before to get the great taste of Little Brown Jug delivered right to your home. You can get the flagship 1919. You can try many other beers. And I would suggest the summer variety pack, including the Summer Lager, and the Hefeweizen, which we've been loving all summer long. Uh, of course, you can get it by the beer store. And if you're downtown, pop by and see them on William Avenue. Might want a bit nicer day than today to sit out on the patio, uh, but it's just a phenomenal spot to go grab a couple slices, have a couple cold ones. Often they'll have live entertainment out there as well. You can check their events page on the site. Uh, that and so much more. Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. Go see them in person, and you can find them online at Little Brown Jug c a remus and i do have some picks to get to as we resume our duel at the derby for assiniboia downs we'll get to that by the end of the program but tonight we're back live racing tonight tomorrow and wednesday parade to post uh 7 first race going about 7 30 and uh, if you got your proof of vaccination, you'll be in there, bring friends and family, hang out downstairs in the lower level, outside in front of the track as well. The upstairs is also open, VLTs, 9 to 12.15 each and every day, and the Terrace Dining Room as well. But you do need reservations for the Terrace Dining Room. You can find out all that information at AS Downs. And uh, later on, we'll tell you more about the online betting, but we're doing all that at hpibet.com. All right, big shout out to our breeze, friends at Breezy Bend. A, a wild golf report today because the Northern Trust FedEx Cup playoffs, top 125, New York City, great first three rounds. My guy Cam Smith, the mullet, dropped a 60 on Saturday, was all fired up to see the final round today or yesterday. Uh, they canceled it before it even started because a hurricane honoree. Uh, they got six and a half inches of rain and somehow the groundskeepers managed to get this course playable for today. So, um, we've got a, uh, basically three, four horse race right now. And look who's at the top. My guy, Tony Fiena. Tony's two under, he's through six. He's at 16 under John Rom is at 16 under and Cam Smith has one bogey on the day. Didn't have a lot of bogeys when he was shooting 60 on Saturday. He's at 15 under along with Eric Van Ruyen. So this is going to come right down to probably the final couple holes today. Uh, It is a wild, wild scenario of a late Monday finish. Uh, but there's a lot of money on the line, and there's a lot of at stake, not just for the guys at the top of the list, but the guys at the bottom who are trying to make sure that they're qualifying for the next tournament as they cut down, and then, of course, the finals at East Lake. So we'll keep you up to date on that throughout the afternoon. And again, our golf reports all year long, brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. If you are thinking about a great home for you and your family for golfing next year, Give Corey Johnson a call. You can get on that waiting list. You can find it more at breezybend.ca. 18 holes in the course. The 19th hole is pretty spectacular as well. An incredible social scene and membership group. I can tell you, you'll love it. Definitely, you're going to want to check it out if you're looking for a new golfing home next year at breezybend.ca. We'll also get to some cool bet lines a little bit later on, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. And, uh, oh, I see Nick Edge Dykow is there. Big Nick from DQ. I love that. Hope y'all had a re dick youless weekend. I have a feeling a few people did. Um, Jeff Kabilis, I know uh, Eric was asking about it. Remo, let's uh, just reset the hats because I think a few people weren't here at the beginning of the show and we showed them off. We've got two kinds, folks. I'm wearing the snapback and for Jeff and Eric who have big domes, this is the one you're going to want. I also have a big head it's the big brain crew, right guys? Um, We've got these. So yeah, I would definitely go with the snapback, but then we also have the dad hat, which is a little uh, more very nice, soft cotton. Um, And they did an amazing job with the logo. Anyways, it's all ready to go. Oh, and Reams has already got it set up on the site as well. So we do have, if you want to pick one up today and you're out and about, go to Royal Sports, very limited quantities, both at the Royal and on our site but we wanted to have it available on both. Uh, But I dropped them off this morning. They are good to go right there. So if you do want to pick one up, pop by Royal. Um, And if you're outside of the city or have a tough time getting in, you can go to the Winnipeg Sports Talk store and you can find all the information there. But yes, if you do have a bigger head, I would definitely recommend the Snapback um, but Remo, as we've said, these are pretty awesome lids. New Era does an amazing job with them, so uh, I think regardless of which size, if you know if you are generally a bigger hat and you have a bigger fitted size, definitely go with the snapback. Otherwise, uh, really this, the uh, the dad hat
1: should fit just about everybody as well. Oh, shit! I'm I was on mute. <laughs> no, no. Oh,
3: I thought I, I thought I
1: everyone. hit one. I thought I hit the button. My light. I don't have my light here. Hold on, it's, it's not it's not lit enough. Yes, everyone's wondering about
0: Remus, <laughs> the Remus mute button. Um, I I think we've now fixed
1: it, and Remus is back. Although he's maybe taking a little lap to make sure that he's. Uh, I, I had he's someone got, over. Got set I had, up. yeah, I had someone over. I had to take down all my equipment here, and I didn't the light the light back up. So uh, all I was just saying uh, was, you, you having know, a party you... on the weekend? You thought someone was going to steal
0: the mute button or what?
1: well, uh, I have it all set up on the table down here. I don't have a dedicated uh, workstation in the basement, so I took everything down. I forgot to put my mute light back in the spot. And I thought I did thought I hit it, but uh, I guess I did not. But I I know, know, you know, I, yeah. I like had that happening at least once a week just to see everyone go nuts in the chat
0: when you're actually muted. Um, but yes, I believe we were talking about the hats before. I we just got said, completely, yeah, I completely derouted. Yeah, Jeff's, Jeff's fast and furious, furiously over to Royal Sports. And again, it's the 750 Pemina Highway Royal Sports location. That's where the hats are. I just pop in. You can ask him, hey, I hear you guys have Winnipeg Sports Talk hats. They'll get them set up for you. Get them taken care of right there. And uh, we can get those things going. So, um, yeah, limited quantities at both. I mean, obviously, we yeah. didn't get a ton of these. But we knew there were many of you that wanted to get one. And I got to tell you, we really do appreciate the support. It's so cool. I got a picture from a friend who was driving downtown. I think it was Les that's with us uh, often here. He jumped in uh, or just it was a picture. and It was Les uh, outside of MTS Centre or now Canada Life Centre rocking the shirt. And, uh, but someone sent me a picture. I'm like, you gotta love to see that out on the streets of Winnipeg. So, uh, anyways, everyone picking something up. It's wonderful for us and, uh, wear it out. When people ask you about it, say, what the heck's Winnipeg sports talk? Let them know as we're, uh, we're just getting to, you know, Remus, we are approaching, I think we're a couple weeks away from six months into this, uh, into this little, uh new era of sports talk in Winnipeg. And I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm shocked that um, it's gone as well as it has. But a big part of it is everyone that's asking about the hats yes. and
1: joining us every day in this chat. Yeah, and I know we do see a lot of the same people here pretty frequently. So we do appreciate everyone. So we've got March, April, May, June, July, August. So yeah, like almost six whole months. We're we we into the six months. I don't even know. But I do know, us. I mean, we've had... Um, what, like six, over 650,000 combined YouTube views and podcast downloads. And, uh, that is because of everyone listening. So that's, uh, that's incredible. So thank you. Uh, thank you everyone.
0: I I was so blown away. I had a couple people reach out that were, uh, interested in coming on board with us and sponsoring. They said, Hey, can you, can you fire us some numbers? I mean, you know, we've got so much going on between the two of us. Um, you know, especially Remus on the tech side. That you know, we're worrying about content and who's coming on the show. We've sort of gotten in a groove, and you sort of lose sight of what's been happening. We put all that together, and I'm like, dude, we like passed half a mil- We we passed half a million views like last month. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know. So um, so I'll tell you what, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been awesome. We do appreciate the support, bigger and better things, and hopefully some exciting new things on the channel as well. We'll be able to talk about coming up into next month or so but as of right now uh enjoying these last couple months of august lots of football talk a little baseball nfl getting ready to get going and Remo, the minute we get out of labor day it's going to be banjo bowl weekend it's going to be week one of the national football league it's going to be winnipeg jets training camp starting and i have a feeling that our heads are going to be spinning and uh, we'll
1: be just trying to squeeze everything we can into a couple hours every afternoon on this program yeah, I, I can't wait for NFL. Um, it is starting to feel like summer is winding down. We finally got a big dump of rain. I mean, Friday was ridiculous. Yesterday evening also um, very. I think it's like more rain this weekend than like the last two months total. I'm sure. And so you know it's cold. I'm wearing. I'm put pants on. I today I'm wearing. This is my first show us. I, I think in jeans maybe. I'm starting to you know my son. I'm starting to dress him in the morning in pants putting sweaters on. I'm wearing the uh, sweet crew neck here today. Um, So it's, it's coming Uh, fall. It's uh, here before you know it. And very sad, but also as you said, hockey and NFL starting up. We're very excited for that. It's going to be great. Uh, Hey, by the way, everyone, if you haven't already, if you're with us on YouTube, do us a favor and hit the thumbs up. Let's uh,
0: could use a few more likes for today's show. And, I think it goes without saying most of you I'm sure are already loyal subscribers, but that doesn't cost anything. If you haven't already hit that red subscribe button and make sure you're joining us daily here on Winnipeg sports talk Um, remote. There's i I'll tell you what, let's get to the cool bet lines first and then we will hit some of our top stories and then we can finish up with our picks for tonight at the downs. Um, The CFL lines are out for week number four, um, you'll notice there's only three games because, if you missed it, the Elks have a COVID outbreak. That game is, well, postponed right now. I, I think the likely end game of this is probably canceling it and a loss for Edmonton. Good thing they won on Thursday or else they'd go to 0-4. But the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Montreal Alouettes are playing. Who would have thought that the Thai Cats are the winless team in the league right now? They are one-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. Montreal coming off that loss to Calgary in a thriller on Friday night. One-and-a-half-point favorites at home, uh, and that's on the one-and-a-half-point line. The money line is just a straight-up pick em, uh as the point spread involves, you know, one-and-a-half points, but it's even money for Montreal at home. Interesting line there. BC at Ottawa is the game on Saturday. Hamilton-Montreal is Friday night, by the way. Saturday. It's BC at Ottawa. BC minus one and a half point favorites. Ottawa a plus one and a half at home. And on the money line, plus 105 for the home dog. Ottawa minus 128 for BC. And then we finish up with Calgary and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here in Winnipeg. At Kind of a strange time for that game. 6 p.m. on Saturday night. Certainly give you a full day to kind of tailgate or do what you want before the game. Uh, Bombers five and a half point favorites opening against Calgary minus 222 on the money line plus 178 and another very low total for the Bomber game 41 and a half. That's where the Argo game opened last week. And as we've talked, it went up all week long, finished at I think 45 and a half or 46 possibly. Um, so we were on the over on that. The over did come in and, uh, shout out to the riders, even though they are the riders, they did cover that number giving us a a nice run of 2-0 on the lock shop earlier this week. But all the CFL lines are in right now at Cool Canada. As far as the Blue Jays and the baseball scene goes tonight, Jays, uh, essentially a pick them tonight. Jays minus 108, Chicago minus 109. Huge game for Toronto. They've got the uh, uh, rookie Alec Manoa back on the hill. He's going up against Lance Lynn. Um, Remus, I'm sure you agree after what happened last week, dropping both to Washington and losing two or three to Detroit, uh, the Jays just can't wait to get this thing turned around. And uh, it's probably not a great time to be going up against a juggernaut like the White Sox, but here they are. And um, they got to win two or three of these games, I think, to give them a bit of momentum going back to Detroit. And then, of course, to Baltimore or a take on Baltimore. And then the A's, who right now are holding down that final wildcard spot, four and a half games up on the Blue Jays
1: in the American League. Yeah, I mean, it was tough last week. And just a quick correction, the Bomber game Sunday, Sunday night at 6 p.m. Um, well, we had some yeah. people ask for clarification there. I think you, I think you misspoke there, yeah. us. Oh, okay, ne- I ne- certainly was thinking Sunday. Why did yeah. I say Monday? He said he said Saturday. I knew that oh. you knew it was Sunday, but uh, so yeah, I confi- know the
0: twenty Sunday. It, it's a weird I'll, time. It it is, but I know a lot of people that still are trying to milk as much as they can out of heading out to Lake Country during the mm-hmm. uh, during the weekends. Um, this way, you can go out there Friday or Saturday, come back a little bit early, and uh, still be ready for the game. Oh, and by the way, a big shout! It is Family Day at the Bomber game. Um, and I was just noticing an ad today, I believe on Twitter, uh, all kids 12 or under can get tickets for 12 bucks. So if you haven't brought a, uh, a kid to a game yet before, and you're hoping to do it at some point, everyone's going to be vaxxed other than kids under 12 should be safe for you. And tickets are only $12. So, um... You can make that happen if you want to get the the kids out for a game if they haven't seen it before. I can tell you, you know, there, there was. I would say that there was quite a few kids and families, although maybe as opposed to previous years, it would be logical that there maybe weren't as many uh, in the first couple games. All that being said, I think with the Sunday game, there'll probably be more room in the stadium as well. I'm not sure what the expected crowd is, but I don't think it'll probably be near the 30,000 that they had for the opening game. Um, so anyways, there's a, there's some info for you, a Winnipeg sports talk approved deal, family tickets, kids, 12 or under 12 bucks for, uh, for the game on yeah. Sunday night. And I got to tell you, I'm excited about this game too. Uh, just from what we saw with Calgary, that was a very gutsy win by that team. Uh, albeit they almost blew it in that final play of the game, but they didn't, they got the win and they did it without Bo Levi Mitchell and Ream.
1: Yeah, very interesting week. I'm curious what we're going to see from... Oh, wrong one. I'm going to see from Calgary. Uh, I hit the wrong button there. I'm uh, going to see from Calgary uh, with the rookie quarterback. Uh, he definitely impressed uh, against Montreal there in the second half. And we'll have to see if the Bombers' defense can rebound. Just the, my early leans. I'll give you my early leans here. I would lean cats over the Owls. You have to think they get into the W column at some point. And Vernon Adams' decision-making looking uh, questionable. After yeah. they took that big lead. As you, Huss. It was all you texting me, this is free money taking the Owls Ultimate this week. Ultimate I, I own it. And then uh, I would take Lions over the Red Blacks. Red Blacks offense not looking particularly great. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see about the BC Lions QB situation. And yeah, Bombers, that's, that's a big line, but I would probably lean towards the over on that one. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Five and a half. We'll wait and see what the Bombers injury. I mean, is Harris, if you want to, is Harris coming back? Uh, Dembski, what's their injury situation? That's something we'll have to monitor as the week goes on. And they do have, I mean, a lot extra time goes until uh, Sunday night.
0: Uh, if, if last week's any indication, we're talking on Monday about a game involving the Bombers. It's 41 and a half. I bet the same thing happens this week. I bet that total goes up all week long and it finishes at like 45 or something like that. Yeah, so anyways, I mean, if you do like the over... Much like, well, you got a great line if you bet Montreal plus two last Monday. It was, although it doesn't really matter because it didn't catch at the end.
1: <laughs> process, uh, sometimes you got to evaluate um, process versus results. The process was good. We yes. identified a line that was wrong um, and we were proven correct when the line moved. However, we didn't get the result. But I think you got to evaluate the process uh, there and trust, trust the process in the long term. Uh, you will get the W's there. Just like the Sixers, just like the Sixers, trust the process. Um. Uh.
0: Just quickly, Grey Cup odds have shifted a little bit. The Riders, with uh, going into last week, Bombers and Riders were co-favorites at plus three seventy-five. The Riders now are plus three twenty-five, and the Bombers, for the first time really all season, have backed up a bit, so they're at plus four fifty. Um, wow. I, again, I, well, I think there is when you consider you know where these teams are in the league, uh, but. That number is going to probably switch significantly based on the results. First of the Labor Day Classic and then of the Banjo Bowl. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout it. Hamilton still, even at 0-2, tied with Toronto at plus 550. Then you got Montreal at 8, Edmonton at 9-1, BC and Calgary at 10-1, to one, and the Ottawa Red Blacks at 15-1. Um, NFL uh, on the weekend, ream. Uh Andy Dalton struggled in preseason. And again, I don't know how much we really want to put into preseason. Although quarterbacks with new teams, I think it is it is important. Justin Fields, for his part, said that it was disrespectful for fans to be chanting Justin Fields' name when Andy Dalton was in the, uh, in the game. I know Andy wasn't coming, expecting that they were going to be able to get Justin Fields in the first round, and that probably has complicated his spot in the Chicago lineup because, as we know, everyone wants to see the young quarterback. Everyone wants the guy that they think is going to be the next guy. Patience, not really a noted quality of sports fans overall. Um, and that's going to be a huge, huge story around the Chicago Bears as they desperately try to find their franchise quarterback that they think might be the kid from Ohio State they drafted in the first round. Meanwhile, another top rookie quarterback, Trey Lance, sort of a slow start, but ended up getting a couple TDs in the end zone. And that quarterback situation in San Francisco is fascinating to me in that they've got a no relatively established guy in Jimmy Garoppolo that it just doesn't seem like Kyle Shanahan really believes in in the long run. But I still think you can win some games early on in the season with Jimmy Garoppolo. When Lance gets in as the starting quarterback will be one of the fascinating, he and Fields
1: for that matter, fascinating stories to follow early on in this NFL season. Yeah, those guys have look good. My favorite, my highlight of the weekend was I think it's Saturday afternoon Twitter when the Bears and the Bills were playing and everyone is laughing that Mitchell Trubisky is getting revenge on the Bears. I know it's preseason, but he's on the bills now. 20 of 28 two twenty-one yards and a touchdown, no picks. And what uh, <laughs> he had one rush and Andy Dalton. I mean, I saw people tweeting his drives like three and out three and out pick. Uh, and then Justin Fields comes in and people are tweeting. Oh, this guy's going to be, I've seen like Justin Fields is going to be hall of famer uh, takes and and if Justin Fields could be a top 10 fantasy QB with his four rushes for 46 yards. So uh, Bears fans not excited about Dalton, not at, are very excited about Fields. But there's also the take that, you know, if Trubisky tears it up for Buffalo, maybe we've got the you know questioning if Matt Nagy is even the right guy to be the coach for this team. So a lot of thoughts going through the minds of Bears fans. I know there are many of them. Hey, speaking of which, I want to throw this out to everyone that's with us live on YouTube right now.
0: Um, I know we haven't talked a ton of NFL. That will change as we get closer to the season. Although we'll hopefully do some more this week setting up. I know there's a lot of people doing fantasy drafts and whatnot. But uh, for all of you that are here with us, uh, who? What's your team like? NFL? I mean, do we going any Raider fans in here? Do we have Chiefs? What about Bucks? Are you a Bucks fan? Are you a a, a lapsed Patriots fan that followed Tom Brady over? I would love to know some of the loyalties of some of the regulars in in our chat. So um, definitely, just hit us up with your team. Oh, Jeff Kabilis is a is a zona guy. Oh, Manitoba Small Town Drive In Review, go Bucks! That's carry. O, and that is one guy I know that is a lifer Bucks. There will be no slander, by the way, Carrie. Um, Manitoba Small Town Drive In Reviews, check it out on YouTube. Uh, I've got... I, you've probably been there already. I'd like to nominate the cheeseburger at Sonia's Stand in Lockport for maybe the best cheeseburger in Manitoba. I can't believe how good that thing is. Everyone knows I'm a big Sal's guy. Um, Sal's burgers are elite. Incredible, in fact. This is like the drive-in version of a nip. The fried onions, the patty, the bun is perfect Um I never even knew that this place existed, but during the pandemic, sometimes I would be so bored out of my mind with nothing to do. I'd just go for a drive on, like, Saturday afternoon. I'd get up to Henderson, and I'd just keep going. And it basically, if you drive up Henderson, it ends in Lockport, and right there on the left is this Sonia stand. I know there's Half Moon, and there's Skinners and some other spots. This is This is a hashtag not spawn tip for all of you. It is so darn good. So uh, if you're in the if you're in the area, go check those out. Okay, let's see the teams. Greg Friesen's on with the Vikes, Vermettes, Colts, Keith's Ravens, Vikes. I figured we'd get lots of Vikes. Travis Falcons. Oh man, it's been a tough little run for you ever since twenty eight three. Sal in oh, on the Raiders. You know what? We're still friends, even if you are one of those Raider fans. Uh, but yeah, we've got lots of Vikings. T. Kona Polly also with the Raiders Nation Wow Taylor you're a Raiders fan what is going on? Travis you're darn right Sonia's is goaded very very good. Oh the WST audio Gremlin is on the Bears. Well we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have we're gonna have quite uh some fun NFL talk We may have to get some sort of a weekly pool going in we'll, we'll figure that out and running man unfortunately the Cowboys. Well, uh, I've got a draft tonight, a couple more over the course of the next couple of weeks. And then i am just, Remo, I was just looking at the at the calendar. The, we're going to do a special lock shop on Saturday, September 9th, because Nielsen's going to be in town to do the Banjo Bowl. But I was just thinking about that week. We'll be coming out of the Labor Day Classic. We'll have the Monday off and then bang, right into NFL kickoff, Bucks-Cowboys on Thursday, September 9th. And then to the weekend, Banjo Bowl on Saturday. And I'm not sure if there's a better weekend all year long than Banjo Bowl going into week one of NFL, from my personal perspective.
1: Yeah, I actually agree. I mean, and the first NFL Sunday, very exciting. You're alive in all your pools. You've got a perfect record for your picks. You're not frustrated yet with uh, who hasn't performed for you in fantasy. So I agree. A lot of excitement. Um, I see people talking about how great October is going to be. You're a fan of uh shows on HBO. I know Kerber Enthusiasm returning in October and succession as well. So as far as you know all the sports returning, we do have uh some great stuff on the on the T V <laughs> side as well. I just wanted to throw uh throw those out there.
0: No doubt it. Yeah, T Cornopoly Sonia's and I think yeah. Travis spelled it right. It's Sonia's with an I. And uh yeah, it's at the oh. end of Henderson at highway forty-four. Uh, so definitely go and go uh, and chuck on that. Oh, and Strevler, yeah. Uh, Glenn Van Rickingham mentioning Strevy had a nice week. He's had a couple of pretty good pl- uh, preseason games, which to be honest, I think was very important for Strevler, considering what happened in the playoffs last year. I know I think they've got Cade McCown in camp as well. Kabilis, maybe you can give us an update on the uh the quarterback situation. But Strev's look good. Had a couple touchdown passes so far in the preseason, and uh you know everyone knows what he's capable of doing outside of throwing the football. So if he can, you know, do a little bit better when it comes to actually completing passes, I think he'll uh, he'll he will be in a good spot. Ryan Drager, Dusty did a solid job calling the game. Dusty's awesome, man. He's doing a great job this year, and he'll be doing, I believe, he had this game and the next four Bomber games. So uh, we'll see. Maybe we maybe get a chance to meet uh, myself, him, and uh, we'll probably get together at a BP or something like that and do something fun for the Lock Shop that weekend. Going into the first week of the National Football League. There's a bunch of hockey things that we do want to talk to, and we sort of got to Jeff early and went right into Andrew Stoughton and continued that talking about football. Um, but first things first, what horrible news today, uh, the passing of Jimmy Hayes, just 31 years old, I believe the brother of former Jet Kevin Hayes. He was a uh, a popular figure. Of, I want to say it's the Missing Curfew podcast, sort yep. of like a Spitting Chicklets 2.0, if you will. Um, you know, of some former players, along with Shane O'Brien, and man, just watching—I mean, you had sent me that tweet announcing it. Uh, I can't remember who the journalist was that put it out, but it was a blue check mark. This was, you know, you knew it was legit. And man, the outpouring of uh, of support, and really more so just shock and a stun nature, um, after just such a horrible weekend, um, where. Um, those young players were, were killed in the car accident out in BC uh, with the uh, Caleb Reimer, the young man from the Edmonton Oil Kings. I mean, there were already some real heavy hearts in the hockey community. And then hearing about Jimmy Hayes at only 31 years old, leaving behind a wife and a couple children, no cause of death put out by the family. Uh, but just an absolutely uh, stunning bit of news today that I think has completely shaken the hockey world that was already rattled uh, from the horrible news out of BC on the weekend.
1: Yeah, we also had uh, Rangers legend, yeah Rod Gilbert, passing away, and uh, what it was Tony Esposito a couple weeks ago, and now Jimmy, 31 years old. I mean that's way too young. I mean two a uh, wife and two kids, to age two and three months. You definitely feel for the family. Um, he's been putting out some quality content with the Missing Curfew podcast. They've you know people are texting me their videos all the time, and yeah, you just very uh, very saddening uh, to hear then Yet yeah, Kevin Hayes, former Jet, his brother Jimmy Hayes
0: yeah um many of you probably um read uh, Mike McIntyre's extensive piece with uh, Josh Morrissey on the weekend speaking of really sad stories um you know Josh losing losing his father um in a battle and and you know some of the things that Josh went through last year going into um into the season when it became that when Seemed apparent there was going to be a season. You know, kids got a buddy that converted, he used an ice maker in a, had basically his own rink in a barn uh, because he couldn't be around other NHLers because his father was going through the treatments. Um, It's very easy. And I mean, it's part of a part of sports. I mean, you don't know what's happening um, in people's lives. Um, And a guy will go and have a bad game or maybe it'll look like his head isn't in a game. The guy can take a lot of heat. It's a very public job. Um, but I thought Mike did a, a a great job of kind of pulling back the layers on, um, you know, an incredibly tough personal time for Josh and his family. Um, and from all accounts, um, Mr. Morrissey, I mean, a really great man, a true gentleman. And I don't think anyone's surprised about that, considering uh, the way Josh has conducted himself both on and off the ice as a member of the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of outpouring of support after reading that from people in Alberta who said, you know, Josh and his dad used to go to their uh, hockey shop. I know his dad is very involved in his career from reading the, you know, from the past and reading the piece uh, that Mike McIntyre had. And it's amazing to think, um you know, again, how much this probably did affect him. Um, He couldn't, you know, he was, because of the pandemic, he's taking all these precautions to train by himself in a converted barn. Um, You know, that's probably weighing on your mind, your parents' health. I mean, at all times, especially when you can't, see them and you know they would always go to his games um I mean you're going to your hometown to play a game and you can't see anyone so I think you know the whole you know closed season or you know no fans last year I think weighed on everyone differently and it certainly weighed on Josh and hope that um he's able to have a more you know positive season and I mean he's not the only one I read a story in the Athletic by Jeremy Rutherford Jaden Schwartz basically had the same thing happen to him um his father passed away, I think a heart attack and he contemplated not even playing, um, playing last season and he got, it is getting a fresh start next year in Seattle, but in the free press, Mike McIntyre with a two-parter, uh, with Josh Morrissey on what he was going through last year. And, uh, that was a very emotional, emotional read.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly talk about that with Mike. I know Mike's been very busy, and I mean, hey, the guy's been doing a ton of work, but, you know, he's taking a little bit of time off been golfing. we haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks, but hopefully we can get Mike back on, talk to him about that, uh, all of his conversations with Josh, and then again, a look ahead to uh, the latest with the Winnipeg Jets as we get ready for training camp coming up next month, and so much excitement about the local team getting ready to get back into the Central Division and get back at it. Uh, also, we should mention the girls, the women, excuse me, the World Women's Hockey Championship, before anyone gets on me uh, for that. Um, 2-0, and great start. They just beat The Rock, one nothing, or 5-1, I should say, to go to 2-0. After a game on Friday night, I don't know if you, many of you watched it, but that Canada-Finland game was a hell of a hockey game. I mean, very, very exciting. Canada ended up winning with an empty netter. But, I mean, this was close, and this was a game, and... I know that there's been a couple kind of upset losses in the past. The Finns one year, the Swedes another year. But this sport has basically been dominated and continues to be dominated by Canada and the USA And as much as I'm pulling for Canada every time they get out on the ice, to have close, exciting games with teams other than the United States for a team like Canada is just a great thing for women's hockey, as well for TSN that's putting the games on television and doing a pretty darn good job. Love seeing Tessa up there. And great opportunity for a number of young women that, I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with um, calling the games and getting some reps on a really big, uh, big format.
1: Yeah, it's so awesome to see this finally going forward. It was postponed, you know, last year, of course. And, I mean, almost didn't go this year. Calgary stepped up to host it. And you want to see, you know, competitive games, as we've shown. Um, people are going to tune in for women's sports at the competition. going to be all remember gold medals in the Olympics. And I think in the past, it's kind of been Canada, you know, past like 20 years, it's been Canada-USA 1-2. I think they're still ahead of, but I think the other teams are catching up. And um, if it is Canada-USA in the finals, again, Huss, or at any point, you know, people are going to be tuning in, watching that. So many legendary games uh, in the past.
0: Well, we're going to try and hook up maybe with Rod Black or one of the other guys or other people from uh, the, uh, the the broadcast team and try and do something on the tournament as we uh, as we continue to follow Canada and. As much as I just said, it's great to see Finland and Sweden and some of the other teams get more competitive. Yeah, (laughs) Bring it on. Bring it on. Canada-USA gold medal game. That's what we all, all want to see. And, you know, when it comes to the world championships, Canada's come up big in some of the Olympic games. But if you look at how the world championships have gone, that has been dominated more often than not by the Americans. So uh, it is on home ice. There are no fans, but a big, big challenge. And Tell you what, it's also been interesting seeing both the U.S. and the Canadian team that you know we really haven't seen in two years, and how many new faces there are on both teams. But still, some of the uh, the war horses of the club, including Jocelyn the Rock, who's wearing an A representing Manitoba on that Canada jersey. So uh, the tournament continues this week through through Calgary, and uh, we will certainly talk a little bit more about it as we uh, follow Canada's quest for gold and uh, what we. Assume will hopefully be an inevitable matchup
1: for gold against the United States. Man, imagine Canada double gold in soccer and hockey over USA. Imagine the celebrations, Hess. Uh, that's actually, it that sounds pretty good because I know USA, especially in soccer, I mean, USA, you heard, uh, was it Rapino saying that she had never lost to yeah, Canada? 20 years. And I know USA, they've been very, you know, them and Canada, you know, trading blows back and forth. So uh, we can, I, we're can, we hoping for another Canada-USA final. I would agree there.
0: Look at Roger. Roger has just dropped in. Hats are moving fast. Just got mine at Royal. <laughs> Roger, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, for anyone that's just popping in uh, that didn't see the start of the show, I'm wearing one of these hats right here. We've also got, I got the snapback. This is the, uh, the dad hat, the more traditional one. If you've got a bigger dome like myself, I'd suggest the snap, but uh, they've got them both limited quantities. We've got some at Royal Sports. We've got a few on the site yeah. as well. So um, thanks to everyone that uh, was quite geeked for them. And the New Era guys and Greg over at Royal that helped us get these done. They were worth the wait, folks. They're absolutely gorgeous. I can't believe the logo came out as well as it did. And uh, it'll be a, a head turner. So thanks to everyone that's uh, picking one up. And uh, yeah, you can pop by Royal Sports. 750 Pemina Highway today. Uh, they've got them and uh, until they don't have them anymore.
1: Yeah, and we have you know, for people out of province, we already have had a couple orders. Uh, Leighton and uh, Justin, I know they're out of province. Put it the order in on the website, so we'll ship them out uh, later this week. So uh, thank you guys uh, for for your support. That's uh, pre- pretty incredible. We're very overwhelmed us by uh, the support, uh, and as we said, we're just getting started. We're only like six months well, into this, and
0: and honestly, I mean, we started this whole thing, and we were just, I mean, first and foremost, concerned about getting a podcast up and then making sure that the show was on YouTube and now making sure Remus hasn't muted his mic. I mean, just the, just the simple (laughs) day to day things that we're worrying about. Um, but, uh, Sal Capizzi, do they have XL for my fat head? I can't imagine you have a fatter head than me. Uh, but that's why go with the snapback. Um, I have plenty of room in these things. They are, I think, sort of built for larger domes, the big brains of the group. Uh, so yeah, check the snapback uh, between the two. That one will fit uh, a little bit more. Um, all right. Yeah, you can get running Man We'll get mine at Royal right after the show. Perfect. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're uh, running around there. And again, if you're wondering or you're outside of Winnipeg or don't know where Royal Sports is, go to winnipegsports.com, uh, hit store, and we've got some options there where uh, we can get them to you from uh, from another way. Um all right, so we hit the women's hockey. We have hit the there wasn't a lot of NHL news going in. Although uh Elvis Merzlikens had a baby boy on the weekend. I know you popped this in there and yeah. named him Knox Mattis Merslickens in honor of his former teammate. I, I I really wonder about Elvis. Um, you know, he those two were so, so close. Um and to literally be involved and in, at the party when you know a fireworks accident cost the life of a young 24 year old with so much ahead of him, um that's going to be one of those things that you know that unfortunately haunts a lot of people for a long time. Uh, but we saw the tribute of Pierre Luc Dubois, uh with the number change and um you know certainly um Mattis is going to be remembered by so many people within that organization, especially his closest friends and uh it was uh, it was pretty cool and. and You know, it will be a a long-lasting tribute. Unfortunately, the fact that the tribute is even necessary, um, Mm. you know, it just speaks to the tragedy that happened in around the 4th of July.
1: Yeah, extremely, uh, extremely sad. And uh, I can't imagine, you know, having to go through that as he said, uh, died a hero. And that is one of the many tributes I know that we'll see. Um, And even here in Winnipeg, former teammate Pierre-Luc Dubois changing his number. And we're all kind of, you know, shocked to see it was like 80 that's not your average number, but then it clicked. Oh, okay, this is what's going on here, and and what a what a gesture here uh, here by Duwa, well. and uh, exactly and Merzlikens as well.
0: Um. All right. Now we've got. Okay, let's get to our picks. We've got some fun stuff. I know there. Yeah. I know Kabilis was all over the wrestling on the weekend, and rarely will it get to the show. But there is some stuff that needs to be touched on. But let's get to our picks. For tonight at the Downs, Remus, uh, do you uh, do you have yours ready to go? Do you, I, do you know where you're going? Yes,
1: I've made my selections. I'm going to open this up. I got my picks ready. I need some wins. I need some big, some big finishes. And uh, here, I'll pull this up. You get your picks in, and let me go. Where are we? There. I'll pull up this. Bam, bam. We're good to go. I'm going. I'm doing. I'm going hard here, Hus. Um, I want to hit this Quinella. Uh, Race seven 4 seven. Uh, go crow, go go crow, yes, go crow. Horse seven and horse four, deadly black eagle. That is a ten dollar quinella, and I have two Ooh. other qu- quinellas that I'm looking for. And I'm going backwards here, race seven, and then I will go race six. Horse one, impressive sense, and horse six, flash of glory. I got a quinella there, five dollars. I have one dollar, ten dollar, ten qu- sorry, one ten dollar quinella and two five dollar quinellas. And to hit these combos, got to get back in the W column. Horse four, tis funny, and horse five, hot rotten. So those are my those are my three bets uh, tonight. Hoping for hoping for some winners.
0: All right, I am gonna go uh, to race number three. First couple ones are a little bit tough to tough to, to figure out. So I'm gonna go uh, bet on number two, rule the night, to win race number three. I'm going to take in race number four, a two-seven quinella, not afraid. And who here is a Horton? And then I got a triactor in race number five. We are going with races th- or, uh, three, four. We're, we're not taking this. Is my new strategy, Rivas? The clear favorite, not taking him because if this comes in, that's when that's how I won the 130 on the one dollar bet. So, call me Richard is out we're taking warbridge Tis funny and hot roden a 3435 triactor and then race number 6 i'm going to do a $4 Quinella on 57 call the cops and wits taquito and then we're going to add in uh impressive sense for a 157 triactor so we'll work that out to get 20 bucks in there and hopefully get a get a nice uh, a nice start to the week after my best week all summer Last week, trying to trying to close the gap a little bit on Michael Remus. All right. Um, hey, why don't we do this shout out to the Winnipeg Table Hockey League you were telling me about. I know the guys from the Winnipeg Table Hockey League have uh, contacted us. And, uh, you know, you'll have to find out more about this directly from it. But, uh, Remo, apparently it's the 10th edition of the WTHL Challenge Cup, which is an annual cancer fundraiser t- uh, tourney. And it just took place this weekend. And I see Sal Capizzi captured the WTHL Challenge Cup trophy by taking down big brother Tony Capizzi in the finals. A family affair, and I'm pretty sure Sal was in the chat right now, so shout out Sal, and congratulations. Would love, would love to find out a little bit more about the uh, the table hockey. Yeah. Maybe go down and check it out in person. Oh, there's a picture. There, awesome.
1: There's a picture, yeah. Some, that's some legit uh, table hockey action. So this is the 10th annual uh, table hockey challenge we... Gave him a couple koozies and a mug for some of the winners. Um, so, table hockey. I haven't played in a while. I used to have a thing. It's funny. My dad and my parents' house actually took our old table hockey, Campbell, Wales, and uh, hung it up on the wall as an art piece. Uh, but uh, there's the uh, old school table hockey getting played. Very uh, very fun thing to do when you're at a, uh, the proper sports bar that has one.
0: Uh, I don't know... The like the actual original, just the rod game that we're showing yeah. here. I don't know how many hours I played. I'm a little older than you, so I mean, like once we got video games going, and once there was the Nintendo Ice Hockey, that sort of dominated. But those games were always still so much fun. And then, of course, when the actual checks bubble hockey games started showing up in bars, um, you know, for a good portion of the time, uh, you know, you could basically find me bumping heads at the check's table and um and if if I go to anyone and it's there and I'm with someone that'll play they're going to be some quarters going down that hatch
1: oh yeah of course i mean foosball table hockey go hand in hand so uh i i'm getting craven now uh, for playing i was never that good uh, i'm more of a just like spin and like pray but uh, i know some of these guys are probably uh, better than me the
0: Stiga playoff 21 the wthl preparations already underway for 2022 uh all right oh, man speaking of video games super nintendo was released 30 years ago today yeah they're oh. feel, feeling old yet Huss, or i was just about what? to say we were just talking about table hockey for crying out yeah. loud and uh and now we've got that reminder um how about this milk crate challenge have you yeah. seen
1: this remus <laughs> like what, what whose idea was this i keep seeing it on twitter uh guys are stacking up milk crates like stairs and try to go up and then down is just, you bail at the top and get seriously injured. Is that is that, that the, the mean, player? There probably are some people that have done it successfully, but those don't
0: make it to the internet. It's just the incredibly devastating falls that happen over. And then of course, because it's levels up, it there's so much meme possibility. I mm. mean, I don't know how many times I've seen then put the Maple Leafs, make the playoffs, first round, (laughs) second round, the guy goes up one, and then then he blows up. So Uh, it's essentially just a way, I think, for people both to hurt themselves and then people on the internet to take cheap shots at teams that inevitably
1: disappoint their fans come the postseason. I mean, if you want to go get an easy million views, just set up the milk crate challenge (laughs) and go try it in bail, and done. You'll get retweeted to the moon. So... um. I don't know maybe with something something we could uh, consider I think if I was like in high school I would be like oh yeah I'm so in for the milk milk crate challenge let's try this now I'm like it oh, looks pretty dangerous so uh, I don't think I don't think that's for me Sal Peasy Hustler
0: versus Remus Next that actually would be a yeah. pretty excellent game wait I mean we could pump it up. There'd be a lot on the line in a matchup like that. No real way to practice. Just bring our skills to the matchup. Yes, I, I would be down for that. I will take that challenge anytime. One,
1: one thing I would like to do is yeah, get more more gaming on this. If it's um you know video video gaming or a uh, what's it called you know competition of uh, table hockey, I think there's a lot we can do with this channel in the future. If we're playing uh, cornhole uh who knows uh trivia so yes well, now not just uh sports like we got a lot of uh grand ideas for sure
0: remus is also a twitch king so if you're not already checking sure. out his <laughs> wonderful work playing nhl uh you should do that adam remus on twitch uh and i do know there is a way we can broadcast games on youtube so yes whether yes. it is a a grudge match head-to-head between wst on the table hockey or something else we will uh we're kind of Figuring out things like getting our hats done and making sure we're getting the show on. But as we get now a little more comfortable doing this for just about six months,
1: come hockey season, we will work on some more fun stuff like that. Waiters says video games and unboxing is what we want. Uh, <laughs> so I, I bought I like it. I bought some jujubes on Amazon. They came during the show last week. I almost like opened them on the screen. But I was like, you I don't have know
0: if... jujubes on Amazon
1: yeah the great deal I got like a kg of uh sour jubes. they're really good really fresh i mean you're jubes. you're
0: already essentially pimping Costco today wearing a sweatshirt of the Costco name brand. I mean I would yeah. have thought that the jujubes would have been available at one of your
1: thr- thrice weekly trips to Costco to pick things up um yeah, I don't know these these are good jubes um how much how many did I get they're really good sour sour jubes. Reasonably priced, you know. The comes literally the next day. I'm I'm Prime, so was it was yeah. it
0: was it, in it, was it a, a, an item that you can't normally get through your normal shopping, or you just saw them and said, oh, "I may as well just order it."
1: No, I think I basically have like subscribe and save on these. It sends them to me like every uh, couple months. I got a new pack of Jubes. <laughs>
0: it's got the subscription i love it i love it
1: <laughs> what do you mean yeah i don't actually i like re i reordered the ones i had i do it manually but yeah i mean they're good jujubes it comes free shipping like why not why not just get it's like hey i need a pack of juju. send them over <laughs> it's, i mean it's a kilogram of jujube it's pretty good i can bring Late them up if you want ju- Leighton
0: Janice, after
1: the show, WST Twitch
0: stream. Well, we could certainly do that at some point. By the way, Leighton, met your dad. You got your prize from uh, our first I Love Rye package. Great to meet him. Thanks to him for popping by to uh, to pick that up. All right, let's quickly hit on this wrestling stuff. CM Punk is back. It was a very poorly kept secret. And I think that's the reason why ADW sold out United Center in Chicago on the weekend. Um, And it is wild. I mean, this is a guy that has been out of the professional wrestling game for, I want to say, about eight years. And um, for whatever reason, he is still, I mean, they were chanting his name through the last number of years at WWF, I mean, WWE, the way he left. And he was never going to come back to WWE. I think he wanted to wait to see if AEW was legit. It is most definitely legit and is now absolutely a competitor to the WWE and growing in leaps and bounds, and now he's back, and um, I, I came, I recorded it and went back and saw, and it really was a pretty crazy, crazy scene um, of his welcome back to, to Chicago, where, of course, he is from Chicago and is an absolute legend and if you are not following wrestling or didn't watch it 10 years ago you might be wondering I still wonder how he still maintains this level of relevance but it's quite obvious that he absolutely is that guy right now and uh man Remo AW um, they just continue to grow um to make headlines to sell tickets and to get people watching their tv program and uh Apparently Daniel Bryan's going to be coming there as well in a little while. And I didn't think it was possible, but they've pretty much done it. They are now the uh, the number two, a legitimate competitor for the WWE who is having their own problems as well. I mean, they filled a big stadium in, in Vegas on the weekend with SummerSlam but there's something missing right now with the WWE product. And uh, that's not the case in AEW. And they're getting all the headlines right now, even as the smaller, uh, smaller. Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, shout out to waiters in chat. He says um, CM Punk got the loudest pop I've heard since stone cold in the nineties. And I think we all loved uh, how wrestling was in the attitude era, the Monday night wars. And I think we are seeing a bit of a war. I don't call it war, but a bit of a battle right now between AEW and WWE. I think fans are, Are very they're kind of tired of what WWE is offering, and AEW I think seems to be in tune with what people want. And CM Punk, um, these I'm you know I'm not too I'm not too familiar with his work, but uh, um, I know these big fan favorite, and obviously came back to a huge ovation. And AEW, I mean, they are legit. They have a lot of a lot of stars, Jericho and Kenny Omega, and I, I know others. So I think this is real interesting, getting people tuning into wrestling. I know it was dominated my Twitter timeline dominated my YouTube being shown stuff of that. So I'm, it's got my attention here. I don't, I'm haven't like tuned in regularly to the programming, but uh, I'm definitely aware of, of uh, what's going on here.
0: I I PVR'd SummerSlam on Saturday night, watched it when I got back from the lake last night. Um, And I think, I don't know, maybe this was a response to what happened with punk, but um, Becky Lynch came back uh, unannounced and won the, wwe women's title over my girl bianca belair and like wasn't even in a match they just sort of set it up so that'll be where they go next with that and then john cena back the goat taking on roman reigns reigns wins and then brock lesnar comes out and remo i think this was another thing that was directly related back to them realizing we have to do something because this small little startup company is stealing all the headlines right now on what should be
1: our second biggest weekend of the year yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's all AEW. I saw a bit. I was actually shocked as, that SummerSlam was on a Saturday. I think it was because of me too. the Pacquiao fight or something or because they just figure Saturday in Vegas is a bit bigger draw than Sunday because everyone leaves on Sunday. But uh, that I was very surprised. Um, but yeah, SummerSlam, a big event. That's a Jets fan, Brock Lesnar. We've seen him, uh, yep. you know, at the uh, what? Now, he Canada, looked like...
0: weird. Have you? Did you see
1: him? Like, he's did, got, did you he's you got a ponytail now, right?
0: Yeah, he's got a very weird hair. He's got the everything shaved on the side, and he just has like one of those ponytails at the top. Oh yeah, but um, you know, he—it's quite clear. I mean, he didn't look to be the genetic freak that he often did before. And I mean, he's living in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan right now, as far as I know. Yeah, working on a farm and. They probably said, "Listen, Brock. Uh, here's a few million bucks. Get your ass to Vegas tonight. And by the way, you're also going to Saudi Arabia in a month or two for our next big." Oh, event, they so.
1: still doing those Saudi Arabia events? Well, the backstories. Yeah. Uh, I think dude, it's so they much- signed. They signed a deal. Yeah.
0: To do those for eight years, or like twelve events over eight years, and the amount of the amount of money that they got for it. I mean, it was like eight figures per show. Yeah. Past expenses, so. I mean, they had to do it. I mean, it always seems like it's poorly done. They try not to publicize it. they just like, oh, yeah, by the way, there was a huge event in front of 60,000 people in Saudi Arabia yesterday. It started at 10 a.m. local time on a Tuesday. You know, here, no one really does see it. And then they just repeat everything when they come back to North America. But, anyways, there's a big wrestling weekend. We'll see what happens on Raw tonight. But I think AEW is what everyone's talking about right now. CM Punk is a huge hockey fan and a very legit hockey fan, big time Blackhawks fan. I think someone was saying he'd been on 31 Thoughts before. He'd done He's done a lot of media over the past few years because he hasn't been wrestling. He, of course, said that he was going to go and be a UFC fighter. That did not go well for him, and uh, it seemed like it was only a matter of time. However, I know the guy's straight edge. I, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I can't stand CM Punk. I think that the guy is so egotistical and so full of himself uh, that it's just way more that is beyond. But I will give him credit. He stuck to his guns. He did what he said he was going to do. And now he's at a point where he probably able to drive an incredibly tough bargain and everyone wants to see him. So uh, I'll be cheering for the Winnipeg guys if they going against him, but I'll certainly be watching going forward. All right, Remus, final bit today. I know there's a lot of people that hate, um, you know, the wedding proposals at games you know when you put the you know put your fiance on the spot and oh it's going to be a fun uh, fun contest uh, trivia and then all of a sudden you turn around and pop the ring but on the weekend we saw the exact opposite of that this uh, opposite of that Uh, we've seen a lot of bad proposals I have never seen an individual break up with his significant other through a jumbotron message. And uh, that is apparently what happened this week at one of the baseball games. Alyssa, this relationship is over. Tim, and there's your fan shout-out brought to you by Amish country.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw this one uh, on on Bar Down. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to make is that a joke is that real I mean of course if you're actually breaking up with someone like doing that not not the appropriate way I mean it is good for viral content I guess but I'm curious the backstory I mean it gets people uh gets people talking not the way I would personally personally do it but uh, yeah that's a that's a shocker right there Hey Alyssa, I'm just going to uh, the bathroom to grab a beer. Make sure you watch the the scoreboard
0: in between periods. Yeah. I've I've got a special message for you in the fan shoutouts. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh my god, I can't. I'd love to hear more uh, more about this. So probably uh, probably not the way, but oh my god, wow, that's no uh, that's that's wild.
0: All right, gang. Anyways, we gotta get out. If uh, if you're just popping in, the hats are here. They are in very limited quantities. We've got some at Royal Sports. I know, uh, and Royal Sports on Pemina, seven fifty Pemina High. Anyway, T Cona was hoping for the ones at the other Royal location. I mean, they might be able to get one up there to you. We just simply didn't have enough, and we knew that they'd be going right away. That's the big store, very central. So we've got them there. If you can't make it there, check out the site right now uh, at winnipegsportstalk.com and click on store, and we'll figure out a way to get them to you. But if you're out and about, if you're at work, you're driving home, I know Jeff Kabilis is on his way over to Royal to pick one up today. They bought, got both the snapbacks and the dad hats. Uh, They turned out great. A big thanks again to Royal For uh, and Greg in particular for helping us make all of this happen with the guys over at New Era. Um, That is going to do it for us. Thanks again to Canadian Club, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, and Boston Pizza, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. We'll have much more throughout the week. We'll talk more Bombers. We'll talk more Jets. Hopefully we'll get Mike McIntyre. I'd love to talk to him more about the piece with Josh Morrissey and a little look ahead to next month for the Winnipeg Jets on a a few quiet weeks for Winnipeg after all those moves were made heading into free agency or really before free agency with the trades, um, as well as NFL training camps and the latest in the Canadian football league and the situation with the Edmonton Elks who've had their game postponed from Thursday against the Toronto Argos. Um, That's going to do it for us, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Spread the word. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go
3: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
2: Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.